So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. Welcome back to Drink in the Movies with Michael. And Taylor. This week we're going to be talking about some horror titles. That's right. We have um, a couple new releases, a couple older films as always. Would you like to give us the French titles in French? Um, I'll give you the honors if oh, you'd like. Oh, I'll, I'll steer away. No, I'll no, 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 please. I would not um, like to make an ass of myself quite so early this morning. I did look up at least how to pronounce their names, the directors. Oh, yeah. Just in case there was anything funky. But, um, so we have, we have two movies from, across five movies, we only have, uh, three directors, right? We have, um, two pairs of movies from yes, yes. two directors. Um, so from the husband-wife director duo, Helen Catet and Bruno Forzani, we have Let the Corpses Tan and The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, as well as... We have a single film from writer-director Colin Minahan, who mm. you um, seem to think that is a very promising director, and we will have a very fun mm. conversation about um, whether or not he is and what might be getting in the way, mm -hmm. as well as... Two features from Panos Cosmatos. From Panos Cosmatos, we have Beyond the Black Rainbow, as well as the much-anticipated Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. Indeed. And uh, what's the gal's name? Andrea Riseborough. Yes, who she I like was quite um, a bit. You could talk kind about of this that. villainous character in Oblivion, opposite Tom Cruise. Mm. Very good performance there. Nice. So I don't think I ever saw Oblivion. Ooh, that Blind put spot. that on the sci-fi list. There you go. That I detailed last episode. Yep. Um, and then we're also going to get to a one-episode review of the premiere episode of this season's American Horror Story, entitled The End. And oh boy, is it the end. Pretty pumped about it. Pretty good looking one. Uh, so should we get to first impressions? Let's do this. Today we're drinking a tangerine pale ale. Picked out by Taylor. Looks Indeed. pretty good to me. Uh, the brand is the Washington Trails Association, according to what the can says. I don't really know what that means. I was puzzled when I studied the can. But I, I know that it's can. kind of a nice morning beer. We're, we're recording a little bit out of order today. It so. is a brisk Sunday morning, so cheers. How is it, Jen? Tell us. It's beautiful. What's it hit your lips? It's so good. What kind of beer? Oh, that's delightful. That is just lovely. Nice and fruity. Citrusy better word mm -hmm. and i kind of feel like i'm breathing clearer after each sip mm, yeah so we're going to be watching two different trailers today both are netflix official releases i don't know that either are going to be released in a theater it sounds like there's much deliberation still happening about that it's but right it's here. um alfonso cuaron's roma which is a black and white period piece it seems i think that's right smaller character driven drama yeah, and then the other title is... We'll also be watching The Other Side of the Wind, the much-anticipated feature from the one and only Orson Welles. And it is being considered in early reviews to be possibly his best film. 
and it could be the first posthumous win um, either for best picture or best director or both. I didn't I don't recall which one the article was saying, but it could be the very first time that happens. And Roma is also sounding like it's going to be up for consideration, which makes whether or not these movies hit theaters very interesting. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, our first impressions are always definitive takes, so we'll decide right away if these are contenders or not. Oh, yeah. So. No, we have mm -hmm. a, a cutting-edge take mm -hmm. here. We, mm -hmm. We've already called our shots. We know if yeah. Beale Street Could Talk is going to take home Best Adapted Screenplay. We know Chazelle's getting Best Director for First Man. We know Lady Gaga is going to get Best mm. Performer for uh, A Star Is Born. Like these things, we're we're pros mm. at this point. A Star Is Born, mm. Best Comedy or Musical. I mean, mm. come on. Oh, absolutely. There's come no on. doubt. We can just maybe drop them a note and say like, just go ahead and start kind of engraving. Just get the process. Yeah, we'll rolling. we'll tell them to just send us an award for calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, which one do you want to watch first? Let's do Roma. We just watched Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. Roma, Roma Ma. Is that what this is referencing? I've got to so. be. It couldn't be anything other than what I got at this point in my year. We can just talk about Lady Gaga instead. Let's do it. No. Okay. Tempting. Okay. No. Uh, I have a pretty strong feeling that this is going to be Guillermo del Toro's second favorite film or first favorite film, depending on how well he receives Mandy. Because mm. this appears to be everything that he loves about the uh, history, intimacy, familial interactions, and kind of how the outside of Mexico feels to families mm. living there. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Itu Mama Tambien? Mm -mm. That's easily my personal favorite of Alfonso Cuaron's work. Um, I know everybody, you know, um, has their different takes. I know Children of Men is probably up there um, as Children of one Men of his is best. Top but... five for me um, from that decade of the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's ageless, and I think that in 100 years it'll be considered a, a master work of art, kind of like um, a, a Hitchcock film. I think it'll age like a Hitchcock film has mm. um, moving forward. But I I haven't seen Itumama Tambien because I've been mm. waiting to watch it in anticipation mm. for this. I kind of wanted to see how that buildup happens. Yeah, well, without having seen it, it sure looks like they will pair nicely. Um, returning to a more intimate and kind of character-driven um, style film, much smaller scale. I mean, this is a little bit more of my kind of feel, so I'm pretty excited. Um, you know, I don't, still don't know who the cinematographer is, but I think the black and white looks gorgeous. Um, I think it will be a, a visually arresting film. Um, no, it has great depth, and yeah. I also thought of um, how the environment kind of was the subject in the trailer for If Bill, mm. Bill Street Could Talk while I was watching this. Yeah. It seemed very conducive to that type of a feel and i think this is going to be a very um atmospheric and empathetic film um yeah and if the characters come to life in it it really could be a strong contender yeah yeah it is a little hard to tell i mean i haven't read any plot summaries for so from the trailer alone like whether it's kind of like an ensemble piece or more you know singularly focused on a particular character it's a little hard to tell but based um, on what i've read it's about the mother who we see cradling her children mm -hmm. many times throughout 
I believe that she was written in the synopsis as um, a maid attempting to look after her family, uh, a maid and mm. a mother. Um, so I think that it could have something to do about class, which I think was yeah. slowly being depicted by the um, kind of abject poverty that reminded me of like Chicago, 1920s, 1930s. Mm. Um, that, and then going to the city where there were police marching down the streets and cars yeah. and shiny things that weren't present in those other areas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's uh, something that I hope to get to see on the big screen. But yeah, we'll, well we're see. lucky. We have the crest near us. They did release mm. Kodachrome there earlier this year. Yeah, I, I don't that. really know why. Maybe they think that they have a shot at cinematography or um, mm. editing or color. I I don't know. But they yeah. they did get it to the That's landmarks. So hopefully these will at least hit the landmark. There you go. Cross your fingers. Shall we get on to Orson Welles? Right, I guess it's time. Mine as well, right? Orson, what do you got? Just like me and God. How could you tell us apart? Time for some new movie? The other side of the wind. What's that about the movie? We don't talk about the movie. So you old guys are trying to get with it. Is that what this movie's about? Well, we don't actually know. What do we know? Jake is just making it up as he goes along. Orson Welles. Wow, I think this is a uh, pretty great trailer. Really great sense of rhythm, of propulsiveness to it. Um, more colorful than I was expecting. Um, I think I was expecting something a little more austere. Um, this thing moves. This thing's got some energy. Mm -hmm. It's punchy. Um, uh, very excited to see John Huston in it. I'm excited. I don't know what what uh, exactly to expect, but I'm in very intrigued. It feels mm. like it's going to be an explosive um character-driven work about yeah. deconstructing cinema mm -hmm. so naturally the first thing i was thinking about was especially based on the cinematography which is beautiful to look yeah. at i was like oh this is going to be a good brian de palma film great mm. yeah <laughs> yeah i could see that it, did you get that feeling at all looking at it like oh yeah. this is a, a good looking de palma it, like it looked like blowout to me very referential but like that sterling quality of crisp clear cinematography yeah and kind of yeah. uh close-up characters yeah yeah the images kind of draw attention to themselves yeah i mean i uh will be really interested to see just how this kind of just fits into the cultural conversation right with yeah. the history behind it and whether or not people actually like it and if people like it kind of despite what they feel just because they want to like it you know mm -hmm. um it'll be really interesting to see what people's reactions are like and we did see at the end of the trailer in select theaters november 2nd and on netflix yeah so it's basically when this comes out it'll be about a month away yeah so people can get prepared to watch it with us uh we will be putting it off if it's hitting theaters later yeah. we won't watch it at home first we'll We'll go ahead and wait. But if uh, if the, we only get a chance to see it on screens, I I may have to uh, give you half of the subscription for 4K Netflix and come over mm. and watch it in 4K. Yeah, I mean, and I would probably need to revisit some Orson Welles ahead of time. I mean, I've watched Citizen Kane once. It was years ago. I've never seen, you know, ones like uh, Touch of Evil or uh, Chimes at Midnight. Um, You've never seen a Touch of Evil? Never you seen it, so did I have not homework. respond as well as I wanted you to to the Maltese Falcon, but Touch mm. of Evil really might get you there. There we go. Uh, yep. That that'll be some fun rewatches for us to do. Yeah. So Countdown yeah. and Orson Welles list coming. If we figure out what those titles are ahead of time, we might put those out into the the Twitter sphere or on the website yep. a little bit beforehand so that people can 
can know give what them we're a little leadway. Yeah, give give them some time to get their hands on these copies. Go check their pawn shops out or do those digital rentals. Yeah, cool. Well, should we segue away from all these great movies into some stuff I really did not respond well to? All right, let's do it. We're going to dive into Colin Minahan's new feature, What Keeps You Alive? Your conscience isn't a source of strength. It's your Achilles heel. All right, so we saw What Keeps You Alive at uh, the Grand Illusion here in Seattle. Uh, We did a little double feature um, with What Keeps You Alive and Let the Corpses Tan. We'll talk about that later. Um, Just in a second, really. Yeah. Pretty Unless much. you drone on and on about this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought this was absolutely a problematic film, but um, I think I liked it more than I didn't like it. Or I liked it more than I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought um, it had a pretty thick uh, atmosphere of um, unease, and there was a palpable sense of dread permeating throughout it. Um I think most of the problems were related to the screenplay, but I thought the direction was pretty sharp. I liked Colin Minahan's willingness to move the camera. There's some really stellar tracking shots um, that I think give you a really clear sense of space throughout um, the house that these two characters, these two women, are moving through. I thought this was a tight little film, despite uh, some of the problems that it, it had. I thought it was a big, loose film with lots of problems. Mm. Tight and... Uh compact is kind of the the last thing i would say about this one i did not respond well to it i did not like much of the acting uh some of that is the screenplay's fault in this revolving flashback sequence i will say that what the i don't know if it's the director doing it or if it's the cinematographer but those upstairs um slow focus shift shots um Mm. where they're at the bottom of the stairs doing that slow focus shift uh that tries to create that palpable sense of dread that you're talking about uh, is really effective, especially within the confinements there. The tree navigation didn't really work for me, but some of those um, zoom in, zoom outs on the lake from the forest line did really elicit a great sense of um, separation and anxiety. Yeah. But the idea of it having a a palpable atmosphere throughout, I could not disagree more with. I I did not feel that. I yeah. I felt very much the way that I felt watching Not Let the Corpses Tan, that other, uh, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. Hmm. Yeah. About halfway through that movie, I just was like, I'm watching The Predator. Keep your eyes open and don't look away, Taylor. <laughs> just try not to look away. No, you don't have a phone. Just keep <laughs> watching this movie. You could do it. You could. That's kind of how watching that was. Um <laughs> for me i i did not respond well to it there are two actresses one of which i think did have something to offer the other one i don't think did mm-hmm. uh hannah emily anderson the um american psycho-esque mm. character herself i think was doing okay with what she was asked to do i don't think that she was asked to do things that play into her abilities i mm. i really couldn't buy into her multiple personality change mm. but i think that she was able to manipulate her figure and her body in such a way that it seemed like she was who she was, although her line dialogue deliveries and eyes didn't really sell me that Mm. often. Um, She's also uh, done another movie called Jigsaw, which you might remember from last year. 
Oh, yeah. And then she yeah. has many TV movies and uh, TV single appearances and recurrings under her belt. Yeah. And right now, she's on TV in the Purge TV show as one of the main characters. Ah, got it. So we might have to take a look at that before uh, the end of mm. October comes around. Yeah. And then the person who really broke the movie for me is mm. our victim character. Interesting. Brittany Allen. Not a fan. Uh, she's asked to do some difficult things to do, which are get injured and then reset your body and act like it's happening. Mm-hmm. And the special effects were so terrible that I didn't buy for a second that those injuries actually happened to her. Yeah. Except for perhaps that cut on her stomach. Yeah. And then the way that she's face acting, mm. that she's in agony, I was like, okay, so you're a little kid pretending you're hurt so that you get your mom's attention. Like, mm. it was really bad for me. Yeah. And I have a fun little fact. Do you want to take a guess what show she appeared on 222 episodes of? I have no idea. It is called All My Children. It is a soap opera. Ah. And that explains my um, separation from her as a character. Mm. I did feel that she was soap opera acting. Mm. Interesting. Uh, just brief. She does have some other work. She was also in Jigsaw with Hannah Emily Anderson uh, last year. She's in Colin Minahan's other film, It Stains the Sands Red. And she's mm. in a television show, I believe, that was canceled that was really good looking. I think that you might enjoy looking at at least the pilot called Falling Water from USA. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Well, it's canceled, so. That oh, it is canceled. Yeah, it. got it. Uh, that makes sense. So go ahead, break, break down whatever else you want to break down. Take a look at well, the uh, Yeah, one thing, um, one thing I had heard um, from a... Uh, Tasha Robinson. She didn't talk a lot about it, but she just she had pitched it on uh, the next picture show as you know her suggested movie to check out for the week. Um, and she mentioned that when uh, she saw it at a festival, the director mentioned that he had originally intended for it to be um, a man and a woman, and then the man had to drop out at the last uh, minute, and he just replaced it with an actress uh, out of convenience. I don't know which of those two it was, um, but I thought that was. That I, was kind I would of an assume it's Hannah Emily Anderson because she'd never worked with them before, whereas mm. Brittany has on his last film. Brittany's the one who gets injured, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I would agree that these are not um, these are not terrific performances, but to me, they were they were just very easy to go with. Um, as soon as Jackie. Um, pushes, I think her name is Jules, off the cliff. That sounds um, right. I couldn't tell you for sure, though. I was with the movie. I mean, I was very willing to see where it went. Um, up until the end, I really couldn't tell you which of them might kill the other. Um, and to me, it was very easy to sort of just forgive um, the uh, lack of expert performances and serve as kind of, of a simple narrative that's to me more about um how the camera is sort of telling the story um because um i think that's just maybe what i look for more and value more highly like in our in my movie watching where i it think we differ is. there yeah um which i think is interesting because then i i get to figure out what i'm missing out on because yeah, i yeah. can't not see these performances from the um supporting actor and actress who live across the lake. Oh, yeah. Who just completely ground the film and make it look like these other two actors are play acting. Yeah. 
like the the um the sense of atmosphere that they brought in in their brief moments and the relationship that felt like it had always existed between these two yeah just melts away any believability that these other two actors had conjured for me yeah and and hannah emily anderson is able to have moments of what i think could come to be brilliance if she continues development yeah um i don't think that this is a role that either of these two actors could be asked to pull off though Mm. i just don't see it in their in their repertoire yeah i mean if i think about what that character's job in this movie is which is you know to mainly kind of crawl around for a good part of it be in agony and pain even the best version of that performance probably isn't going to do that much for me because I don't think the role is that interesting anyways. For me, what is more interesting is how he's using sound and, and the camera to try to express what that might feel like because the difference between, you know, one um, writhing on the ground and another I, like might not feel that different to me. Um, Whereas it does to me. Like, y- yeah. you say that you don't see anybody else doing it. And I, what if I told you Chloe Savini was the one writhing around on the ground, relocating her shoulder, sewing her stomach, breaking her finger back into place? Yeah, I mean, that, that might be better, but, like, I still, if, I, if I'm choosing between, like, you know, those two actresses and the camera not doing anything and just shooting those two actresses, Chloe Savini is the one I'll pick. Alternatively, if I'm stuck with the actress who is less, uh, less of an actress. Um, and just affordable. Yeah. I'm still probably going to get more out of the, the permutation that allows the camera to do the work versus the actress. Um, I mean, I think what, what I he's... I see that separation. So that, that's an interesting mm. note. Yeah, I mean... To me, what he does, like, in that scene where she first falls off the cliff, um, is what great directors do in war movies, right? Is they're not just shooting an actor um, yelling in pain, showing you the gore. You know, they're moving the camera and they're creating sound that put you inside that head to make you feel what it would feel like to have a grenade go off, you know, beside your head or something like that. So Um, why wouldn't he be able to do that if he had Chloe Seven? I'm saying he could. Like, that is the best version of this film. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. The way course. you were wording that was, like, if you get her, you can't move the camera like he's moving. And oh, I no, was no, like, no, 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 I didn't know, like, why would that be the case? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, that, like, it's kind of about what you what you kind of value in your cinema going, yeah. right? If yeah. I was to choose between Chloe Sevigny and nothing with the camera, or the camera work and the sound and this actress that's fine with me and i think that i'm just trying to express like why it was very easy for me to just sort of forgive (laughs) these things like to me it's just in service of this really simple narrative about you know um predator one chasing the other um it's just a black widow yeah i mean thematically like it's a really simple idea which which gets really silly sometimes but you know the premise about someone you think you know turning out to be someone you don't know at all Mm mm-hmm done like it's easy enough premise for me to just kind of go with um what would you think about the flashbacks uh they have diminishing returns for sure that's a problem when um the the psycho girl is singing on the guitar that didn't work that, did that was work that was painful all. um so there's this moment where 
they do this flashback to them both in bed making bird sounds. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking about Will Arnett's chicken impression from Arrested Development. <laughs> not not exactly sweet or endearing or romantic. Um, not at all. I it was definitely yeah. meant to be that way. I yeah. I really just I I don't want to say I hated it because I didn't have that strong of a response, but I I really think that he left something on the table, and I don't I don't think he's a good screenwriter. I've never seen him with good actors, so he could have something if he had the ability to get, you know, the Rosman Pikes of the world, mm. the Chloe Sevignes, um, yeah. the Kristen Stewarts, um, yeah. the Ben Afflecks, you know, that's how Gone Girl ben gets Aff- there. Oh, okay. Right? You get a big name and all of a sudden you, you can get a better cinematographer, which I don't think that the cinematographer did a bad job. I, I just think that the, the more built up the parts are maybe the better it is and it was way too long i think that it had a good Mm. ending that would have raised it at least half a star to a star for me yeah about 30 or 20 minutes before we finally arrive at the end yeah i I think that the writer directors that are working with no budget need to turn in tighter works um unless they are true visionaries like we will get to with panos cosmatos oof visionaries we'll get there um yeah, I would agree it's too long. I mean, again, some some of the sort of false endings um, that know were driving you nuts. Um, no, they weren't driving me nuts. They were getting me super excited that I got to leave finally. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. were yanking the rug out from under my yeah. feet, making me stay in place. Um, I mean, I was happy to spend more time with this movie. I mean, I in this case, I felt more like the, you know, the Robert e, Robert Roger Ebert quote, you know, no good movie is too long to me this was this was more of a good movie than it was a bad movie and i was happy to stay with it um i i thought the dinner party scene was fun um i think that it is it is in that moment and even earlier when the psycho girl first kind of puts the flashlight on her face at nighttime you know and she kind of has she's kind of first going into that more villainous Mm -hmm. mode to me that's when if you think this movie has any self-awareness that's when you're starting to pick up on it. That it's not taking itself as seriously as you might have originally thought. Um, and I think you very much get that, or I very much got that feeling in the dinner party scene when the music swells a bit. You get some of those uh, black light scenes as mm-hmm. she's scrubbing out the blood. Um, to me, that was all very indicative of him just being interested in sort of the set pieces, the feeling, the mood. And not about um, uh, these these characters as complicated creatures. I think yeah, it's in service of a pretty simple idea and really simple, um, tight set pieces. I guess when I say tight, I think it's tight in moments. I would agree it's probably still too long, and there are some issues at the end. Um, but the moments themselves, I thought were fine. Um, so highlighted moments for me. Um the moment of terror on her face which is a truly good moment of terror on her face when she's whispering to the friend of um jackie growing up who is played mm. by hannah uh emily anderson uh, yeah. while she's outside with the husband and then the look of horror and and how that uh supporting actress tells her husband to that she's dangerous great yeah. moment um when they're chasing when she's giving chase in the rowboat across the lake yeah yeah. And the encounter with the husband. Yeah. Supporting actor. 
great moment. Like there are truly yeah. great moments that I think that I I think the best version of this movie is on a cutting room table. Like I I think that you can edit mm-hmm. this down to a good movie that could be sold to Netflix. Yeah. Not Oh yeah. I I don't think it is a bad movie. I think that it's a bad movie in its current version. And I I you know that's not necessarily an editor's fault. Perhaps the because it's the writer director with limited financing. Um, controlled things because he's really attached to his vision. Yeah. But I think you get rid of all those flashbacks. Yeah. I think you definitely um, either get to that final ending quicker. Yeah. By cutting out some of that chuff or chaff, um, and then you or or you choose a quicker ending and you get it down to a tight eighty six to ninety eight. You get it down to eighty six or ninety eight. Yeah. I think you have something good that's sellable, that is a a, a truly good film. Not like at least average, but right now for me, it's bad. And I think that even, even though you have this appreciation for it, I get the impression, maybe I'm just projecting that you see why it might not be for the average person like me. Actually, I don't agree with that. I mean, because I mean, I think it has been pretty well received. So I have trouble saying it's not for the average person. Um, I mean, I think I would actually put the burden on on you to say why proof? To, yeah well yeah to, to okay. represent the 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 non-consensus here Only, i mean well, that's i mean that's it, not really it's fair, a terribly weak saying. screenplay terrible dialogue they're asking a lot out of actors to manipulate um feeling of agony and they did not choose a talented actors that are capable of this they didn't choose actors that are capable of transitory shifts in character and psyche yeah uh it's it's just a really badly chosen film for the edition that's out now there's a good version where the cast is completely different and they don't spend as much time in the woods Mm. but you i i mean i get horror fans loving this and i think that that kind of inflates these types of scores Mm. especially if you're going off of a rotten tomatoes uh, review because then it's it's inflated just because anything above a 50 is considered a good review by Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. So if someone rates it 51, which is average, like you, yeah, then that counts as a completely positive score. Yeah. And then if someone gives it a yeah. zero, that only counts as a as an, the opposite of your score. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's just going to be more people appreciating in the critic community the uh, film work and the camera work that you're finding value in. Hmm. And I think yeah. maybe performances are something that are a little bit more, you know, 1940s, yeah. where I'm coming at it from. Yeah. Yeah, I take back what I say about, like, about the burden ever need to be, needing to be on one side of the table or not. I just meant that, like, to say that it's not for the average. I, like, I think that's I think that's hard to say. I think that's, up, like, too the fewer to the side. Um, yeah. I have trouble saying that about any movie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, one movie you talked about earlier this year as um, being one that you thought showed potential for a director was Papillon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like for comparison, if we're talking about you know directors that we kind of think have potential, um, I see I see there are greater willingness here to take risks than I saw in Papillon, where to me that is the kind of movie that was better paced, probably um, more intuitively constructive constructed but but bland like i i really would would 
be fearful of going into another of that director's movies and not feeling any different because um, of an unwillingness to take chances here. I mean, I think this is a pretty big gear shift for Con Minahan to try and take. He's asking a lot for these actresses. It is a big shift for them to try and take on, and they probably don't nail it. But I would rather a director that kind of early in his career take a willingness to sort of use the tools of the medium that I don't think, you know, we you see it that many debuts. Um, this a isn't a debut. Not debut, you're right. But I would I would still consider him... Um, he's, he's up in, and coming, Relatively no doubt. inexperienced. Yeah, no, he, yeah. he's new. Yeah. So... Your, your Papillon point is well taken. I, I think that you are best able to judge something like that because of what you see. But I would challenge the interpretation only because this isn't a remake of a mm. beloved film, whereas that's a remake of a beloved film. So there is a structure that mm. he can't really deviate from. And I think mm. that where he did deviate, which is the beginning and the hallucinations, mm. showed true filmmaking prowess direction mm. and expression of emotion that i really gravitated towards like That's i would right. have yeah. rather watched a papillon movie where he gets back out and spends time with her and those mm. dark french cityscapes evading the law no doubt yeah. but i i think that there is something of promise there um and i think that because it's a remake and because there's studio control you don't see as much right um classic example david ayer's film suicide squad yeah he shot that film basically in the exact opposite order that it was assembled in after mm -hmm. the introductions mm -hmm. so i i think that once you get studio involvement you never know how much a director still has with their vision on the table mm. and, and I, I i do think that's something to consider because indie filmmakers like this actually get to put out their vision the way that they assemble it and they're not working in the studio system yeah. So that's my only other thing, just to kind of express where, where I'm coming at these thoughts from, because I am yeah. trying to take the studio into account. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. You, you, you think there is enough there that, despite him perhaps not being able to assert his vision because of studio limitations, if he was in an indie atmosphere or an indie... Um... Oh, yeah, if he gets to make an indie horror film, I'm absolutely there. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have to try and think of, you know, other studio movies where I think, uh, you know, I felt more of a vision come through despite perhaps some... Um, um, well, how about, um, for instance, The Predator, which um, by all accounts has 100, and, or not 100, uh, 55 minutes laying on the editing room floor based on what I've read. Um, what about it? I'm, I'm just giving mm. you another example of there, there's mm. these movies that are not being released as the director intended. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess yeah. Uh, uh, I can't quite think about how to how to comment on that one. But one, oh, I, th a I different thought you one. were asking for that. Sorry. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, something that comes to mind is something like Game Night, right? Where that was a big studio comedy. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, that was an exciting movie for me. That, despite you know probably being subject to you know a producer's whims to some extent. Um, nonetheless showcased some flourishes that I think are more typically seen in the indie um, uh, realm of movies. Um, a willingness to do things visually um, just for the sake of visual pleasure. No, I think you're absolutely right. For every 
Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, mm. there is a game night. But mm. I, I think that the interesting thing there is that um, directors like Paul Feig, who just had a simple plan mm. that we reviewed, yeah. um, they, they have this relationship with the studio where they're working with them and they're trusted. And I think that that's probably yeah. the case for game night as well, where something closer to their vision comes out because that vision doesn't have as much money put into it. Mm-hmm. And I think something like Papillon um, probably wasn't subject to as much studio limitation. But I, I do think that because that's not a, a huge director that or, or a well-respected director by any means, that he was probably more subject to their edits yeah. um, in the final release. And I, I think that Colin Minahan could have something if he got to the studio the thing. I, I would be excited to see him do like a, a buddy cop movie with say Keegan Michael Key and Tracy Morgan. Right? I like that. Like, like I, I think that he has potential. I just don't think that his screenplays have potential based on what I've seen so far. And what I've seen so far mm. is a very limited range of actors. Yeah. So if you give these screenplays to better actors, right? Like if this was Sterling K. Brown, yeah. I wouldn't have these complaints. So Yeah. <laughs> you know, it it it's really hard to hold water in your hand as you talk about this stuff yeah but yeah. i i do think that there's promise for him but i don't think that it comes as being a writer uh director i think it comes as being a director and then honing yeah. his craft and then revisiting writing with maybe yeah. a co-writing partner yeah i think that makes sense um yeah i mean again this probably comes down to um you know what we each sort of look for first in our movie going i mean to me usually i think there are plenty of exceptions to this, so this is not a hard and fast rule. Um, so but, this is his strict rule, people. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would more often pick a movie that is very well directed and poorly written versus a very well written movie that's very poorly directed. Um, yep, we are so. opposites. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I, um, I, I come at things from a writing background. I come at things yeah. from a character background. Mm-hmm. I want things to feel real in that yeah. sense. And I think that you get your sense of atmosphere from the camera. Yeah, which is totally. really interesting because my yeah. sense of atmosphere comes from believability of mm. the projected characters. Yeah, yeah, just different. Uh, yeah, different ways of coming at it, which I think is always like, I love it when when we do agree yeah. <laughs> because it's like it's fascinating. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that by airing these out um, and letting them hear, they'll be able to map on to either who they agree with and who they they or who they. Um, see themselves in and, and how they see films yeah. and then be able to see it from either one of our opposite perspectives. Yeah. Which I think is really useful. That's why we are doing this so that I yeah. can steal from you and, and see what you're seeing, yeah. especially with the colors. Yeah. It's not <laughs> it's like I'm saying like... someone that sees color watching the same movie as me so yeah. I can ask them, was that was that what I think it was? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'm saying that you don't like camera movement. And obviously, I love I, a good performance. I, I do you know like what I mean. camera movement. Yeah. <laughs> but only when it accentuates the performance. Uh. <laughs> That's not true. I don't think uh, so should we right. get a refill going and yeah. hop over to a little bit of Helena Catet and Bruno Forzani's films? Let's do it. I don't even know how to talk about these next two movies, to be honest. This is going to be a little tricky. I think there is something interesting happening. But I... <laughs> there is something happening on the screen. I saw, I, <laughs> I saw it. I saw it happen. Two eyes. <laughs> I can confirm something happened. 
I think it's based in Europe. <laughs> Old women. Murder. <laughs> All right, you ready? Okay. Let the corpses tan, Michael. Let the corpses tan. Just let them do it. All right, moving on. <laughs> you want to get a little cheers before we try to figure cheers. out how to talk about this? Let's try to dig into this. So this film is based in the Italian countryside, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that's right. Um, it's a bank heist, murder shootout, uh, vulgar depiction of uh, sexuality and brutality, as well as a uh, what, if I was to be charitable, I would argue, is an interpretation of the feminine divine. Mm. I see that's all i have <laughs> <laughs> so this is would, uh, would it be easier if i um strung you to a sideways cross and began whipping you we gotta get the vlog going before we do that <laughs> <laughs> tune in for streamer that will be soon. our our first uh vlog recording and it will be our last one <laughs> because we will lose all viewers. we will be shut down <laughs> youtube will say nope <laughs> yeah um it's a tough movie to talk about for sure um it's tough to follow narratively um even it even despite it being a relatively simple narrative um a group of guys yeah it's simple um, in theory but the visual mm. depiction of it is not such which yeah. I, I do think is kind of interesting but in that really annoying way that means it's terrible <laughs> yeah yeah um not terrible, terrible, but like, you know, terrible for me, the person that had to watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, you know, one of the problems, despite this in hindsight, having some things that I thought were really interesting that actually made me want to revisit it, um, was the fact that at the very beginning of the film, you know, we essentially get this, you know, couple minute montage of the entire thing playing out, which I think in hindsight can kind of maybe be interpreted as a clue that what this is about is more how we're doing what we're doing and not so much what we're telling a story about because it's, we've already seen yeah. the story play out. Um, I was not exactly clued into that. Um, and I think there is something maybe um, a little problematic about leaving an audience feeling like they should be able to follow the action better than they can. I kept thinking to myself, like, I kind of feel like I'm – uh, like the problems with me or something like that. Like I'm, I'm struggling to, um, and I to bet follow you this that action. they would be very proud and happy that that is how you felt. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of just wanted almost just, just no narrative at all, or less narrative, um, less, less yeah. of an well, indication like, to what me. What if there was no dialogue? That would be fine. Um, less of an indication to me that like I'm supposed to be following these shifting alliances because. I got lost pretty quickly. You, you know another, like, this is totally not the same movie at all, but it's kind of similar. I didn't like it very much, but I liked it a lot more than this. Mm. Uh, Brie Larson and Killian Murphy's Free Fire, I think with Army Hammer. Ah. 
you know, that one, they're just but... kind of stuck in a warehouse in the shootout, and there's like mm. this slow character development uh, cross reversal cross mm-hmm. uh, that's happening also in this, and I, I just think that was executed better. Yeah, the the cut, 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 close up cut, fade back cut, mm. uh, doesn't work for me here. Um, it's like they watched Jodorowsky and then decided they wanted to take a pair of scissors to it. Mm. And then they released a film. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree, but I think it's one that I think I would like better on a second viewing, sort of recalibrated, where I was a little more willing just to let go a little bit narratively. Um, you know, if you So when you say recalibrated, have you drinking a lot or have you smoked quite a bit how are you getting into this headspace of appreciation well i was i was much i I was anticipating being able to follow a a narrative more clearly than i did and i think i enjoyed Mm. their next film or their the the next film we're going to talk about um a lot more they're kind of knowing what i was getting into previous film yeah the, the film they released previous to this yeah i didn't enjoy the first part of that film quite a bit um i have to say and then the narrative kind of gets in there again. Um, and they move away from some really beautiful um, strategies uh, of evoking symbolism, um, specifically religious and mythological. Yeah. Uh, mythological. Um, specifically, that there is a scene where, where there's just uh, women, naked women, lining the um, kind of as a wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And then on on the ceiling, and it very much evokes the sense mm-hmm. that these are the three graces: the nine muses, the the feminine divine, the um, you know you know whatever interpretation you you would like to give it. Um, you can go kind of with with any interpretation all the way back to the Venus of Wollendorf, and and kind of get to this feminine divine idea of life and beauty and showing the path. Um, and and there's this moment with this older gal who's in this um kind of a, a fishnet but not fishnet like a lacy um body outfit yeah and she's always in the darkness except for her hands and her teacup and her feet yeah and she's kind of leading him along it, it's it's just a very evoking sense of, of kind of atmosphere and culture yeah and then yeah. they completely move away from it and, yeah. and i never <clears throat> got there in this one i never got there in what the corpse is tan i never bought into this mattering yeah yeah um yeah, I would agree. Right, right after we saw it, we were kind of talking about how we, we both didn't get much from it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as the days went by, I just kept kind of finding myself wanting to kind of go back to it, thinking that knowing what I was getting into, I would get more out of it. I mean, I kind of think there's something to be said for watching these movies more like you're listening to music than you are being told a story. I mean, if you see value in pure form in terms of... Um, tempo and rhythm um the images themselves evoking whatever it is that they might evoke for you um you know that's what uh that's what poetry does i I have to agree but i think that this format is is very unconducive to to that interpretation would you agree this feature film format like you want me to sit there to listen to a song for two Mm. hours well, people go to a concert for or a concert for two hours, or you know, a symphony right, for two the, hours. Right, but the song doesn't last that long, right? If we were to break mm. this film down into songs, there might be nine, 
Yeah, I would agree. Like that, that maybe is a little bit um, problematic here, and I think that's maybe why the um, other movie, Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, worked a little bit better for me. To me, that almost did kind of have more of like a course verse structure, as we keep kind of going back to some of these same flashbacks, um, and then we get these vignettes of the other people in this guy's apartment complex. Um, to me, that did have um, a bit more of a, a melodic kind of structure where we get these kind of deviations from our central course to which we could then come mm-hmm. back um, to, you know, the, the the central kind of thread of this guy's missing husband or missing wife. Um, and I think there was really evocative imagery in that movie for me, um, less so in Let the Corpses Stand. Yeah, um, so it's based on a novel. Yeah, I heard that. From two writers, which is just kind of interesting that it's a, a duo that wrote the book and it's a duo that directed it. And, a lot of voices and adapted in there. it. So it, it is interesting. I don't think that these writers directors um, bring more out of each other. I, I, I mm. kind of feel the separation in each vision. Um, the, the one thing that I, I do find interesting is a recurring theme... Um, just to tie this in with uh, the strange color of everybody's tears is the idea of justice and how mm. the cops are always presented or the the justice or the cops are always presented as this negative within the narrative of the story and how they uh, end up either surviving or, or or being hurt throughout it and what they lose mm. specifically she gets shot through the eye um, yeah. And, and you know the the loss of an eye classically in, in the narrative of Odin is how he begins to understand um, or, or attain true knowledge and and I, I do think that these uh, guys aren't aren't stupid I think that they know what types of imagery and mythos narratives they're they're pulling from and evoking mm-hmm. it just doesn't translate in these close uh, shot edit cuts for me mm. um and I, I think that there's probably something deeper to that that setting that they have in this film mm. the um the for lack of a better word rubble of this aged perhaps monastery mm-hmm. um and how you know these these frivolous bits of life right the the refugee come yeah the um the boy who's listening to the uh, what you could argue is like the toxic masculine is is killed mm-hmm. by the refugee like like there's some interesting deep narrative structure happening but it just the structure of how they communicate that visually i it just separates me from being able to appreciate that idea which i think Jodorowsky was so good at doing yeah yeah, I mean, I think I might have liked it more had you just kind of taken the heist out of it and there had been an even simpler reason for these people just being where they are, getting angry, and then just shooting each other. Um, and the allegiance is not shifting, just letting it be about the pure action. Um, I might not be so distracted by trying to kind of follow. Um, well, how else could they the, keep cutting to the nude feminine divine? I know. It's not, yeah. Um, Pissing in the sand. Yeah. Which didn't do much for you. Uh, <laughs> in theory, it would, but no, it did not. Yeah, did it, did it for you? Those ones in particular, not really. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was, so I was very drawn to how this was put together. Um, and there were in things in hindsight that I, that I did kind of like, and that I would be, you know, be happy to watch again, you know, the, um, uh, shots of the ants on the diagram walking around juxtaposed against, oh, we use the word juxtaposed again. We, we use that a lot. Um, the people moving throughout this, uh, space you know to me most of what i'm getting out of this movie is just um it's allusions to genre and other movies um and you know that's to me you know a, a director um moving his actors like um you know pieces on a board um you know it's it's just kind of that's an evocative so idea because I, um, I agree that that is an interesting image yeah. I went the exact opposite way. I was like, look at the futility of these fucks. Uh, oh, I could see that too. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the images themselves didn't do kind of as much for me. It was definitely how they kind of come together that's, that's still somewhat satisfying for me in hindsight. Um, I, I kind of value the construction and um the rhythm that they were seeking um i just wish the context had been different and i think that's why the other one was more satisfying for me the um, context had been different yeah yeah i can't or the say place it. had been different or just, just I, I what the images I, consist I agree. of I, I i would i think the best way for me to put this is i would be very interested for them to each take a half of a, of a narrative moving forward mm -hmm. and show me their clear visual distinct voice I don't mind them co-writing it seems like that might be conducive for them but I want yeah. them each to take one half of the film mm. and direct it because I the way that it's I, I just don't like this style yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I would if it was more nuanced or, or um, if it was more abrupt and, and less often these mm -hmm. these cut edits um, but the the it just never stops and, and <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of gets Pretty relentless. it gets in the way of me feeling the atmosphere's pace mm -hmm. it, that, because the, the cut editing is so quick that it's supposed to heighten your energy and your pulse into what's happening yeah. and then it's the slow moment of dialogue where he's trying to mm -hmm. convince the boy to stay on his side while he goes to go kill someone with that pistol yeah and i was like nah. like I, yeah. I i get what you're communicating i just it's not working effectively i think yeah. it i think it could be interesting but i i suspect that this is their pinnacle and mm. that they truly should result back to short films i think that if mm. they move back to short films they will be able to elicit this palpable feeling of uh, apprehension that they go for, mm. and that will be a lot better uh, format for them to win awards, notoriety, mm. and then perhaps really work on a screenplay and figure out how to shoot it without these constant edits and figure out where to actually put them. Figure out what they want to say with the feminine divine. Don't yeah. just have it, it pissing on the sand kind of pointlessly, constantly. Like, yeah. oh, what are we going to do? We're going to cut to this nude feminine divine and she's going to piss in the sand. 
Yeah. What's next? Oh, she's still peeing in the sand. Oh, wait, no. Still they're, going. They're whipping her, her breast and squeezing it so that she's squirting out what appears to be mother's milk. Like, mm. okay, but do something interesting with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, not to just keep going back to the same analogy, but I mean, I think because we don't get very many movies um, in a feature-length format that are sort of this this sort of formally um, audacious, I guess, or challenging, yeah. Um, to me, I have to believe that there are other versions out there that, that everybody can find for themselves, right? Just like everybody kind of has different songs whose tempo they just like. Like, mm-hmm. just... It, it's a, it's a little yeah, more like you're primal. really digging testing from yeah. Aesop Rocky, and I, yeah. I and I listen to it, and it just isn't for me. But I'm yeah. vibing on Eminem's Kamikaze. I'm just that's my gym workout, and I listen to it at least every day. Yeah, right. I wake up and I take a shower, and I'm listening to This Is America. We just have things we like. Yeah, um, I'm also not well versed in poetry really at all. But you know, I think about E.E. E. Cummings a little bit. Right, he was the one who would really just go wild with syntax right mm-hmm. right there are words and there's something of a through line but it's about where the parentheses are how the words are broken up on the page yeah it's, and, it's and that form. you can reinterpret that sentence possibly three to eight different ways yeah yeah i mean to me that the cinematic version of that is cool and even though like i didn't that sounds quite, cool yeah i didn't get there though that I is agree. an interesting analogy though I'd, yeah. I'd like to get there to me, do you that's, think they can get there? Uh, I, I I would absolutely go watch every effort, um, and okay. I'm definitely interested in, in watching the the one other one they have. I think um, I think they have one more movie um, before Strange Colors of Your Body's Tears. Um, um, yeah, yeah. That's and then it. they also have the ABCs of Death, which was very poorly received. And then they yeah. have three shorts, which I'd I'm very interested in the shorts. I think yeah. that. Um, if you're open to it, I might try to do, like, uh, maybe we should try to do, like, a horror montage episode. That could be fun. Um, somewhere near the end of this month. Maybe yeah. as a bonus episode or something. Yeah. Um, I, You know me, I'm the king of shorts, and I gotta get to a thousand by the end of the year now. Yeah. 760 in, baby. 760 in. 240 left. Um, and is in sight. So, we, we might um, do a little tie-in here with their three shorts, if I can find the streaming links for them. That'd be cool. Maybe yeah. we could... Uh, do streamer and attach it to that episode i don't know yeah be something to talk about yeah um so yeah like i don't think that there are that many people you know really trying to like fragment cinema kind of like they are um to this extent like i i do think that's that's pretty cool how willing they're how far they're willing to push it um and i i kind of do believe that there is a great version of this kind of movie out there. I um, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. My where I think we aren't in the same frame of mind or, or you could say where I disagree with you, but I, I don't mean to. Yeah. Is I don't know that these are the people that get us there. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think that this might be their pinnacle and there's nothing wrong with that. They created something that they must be immensely proud of. And I'm sure they view it as a Sistine Chapel of whatever they are communicating. Yeah. Um, especially with their European history. They, they're they making statements about Europe that are very interesting, right? Justice in Italy is a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah. 
right? This is a we live in a country where church and state are separate. Yeah, they did not. They they grew up um, not not them specifically, but their ancestors lived mm. in this country in a period of time where if you didn't believe the right thing, you could be killed by these police. So there is a mistrust. There is a reason for her to live at the top of this hill and not trust cops. Yeah. And laugh at them in their face. Like, there, there is this old history uh, that, that is fascinating. I, And I think there's something really worthwhile to communicate about that. I just don't know, based on this and how that previous film that we'll get to ends, that mm. this is the interp- that these are the um, auteurs that will communicate that best. Yeah. I, I think that that exists, just not maybe with them. Yeah. And maybe they helped get us there. Kind yeah. of like a Alex Proyas. Right? He helped get us to this Snyder yeah. um, visual, heavy, evoking of atmosphere, darkness. But Proyas has disappeared, sadly. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's probably only because I, I couldn't really name any other director pushing it quite like them to name as someone else who I think could get us there. Well, so like Shodorowski only... in the 70s, too. He was pushing buttons, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he's if he's still around and willing to, to give it a go, I'll root for him. He is still but... around. Yeah, yeah, but endless he... poetry, that, yeah, yeah, he's still I, he's I don't still know if he showed it, up but... for it. I did not see that one, no. I, I saw it at the Grand Illusion. Ah, nice, yes, I remember is it that. Called... No, it's not called Endless Poetry. Let me go check the postcard. The Dance of Reality. I thought Endless Poetry was even newer. Oh, well, then I didn't show up for it, did I? <laughs> Let's see. Is, is Endless Poetry Jodorowsky's newest? I, I think so. I've been reading his comic books. Oh, nice. He's got some very good comic books. Uh, the Holy Mountain, El Topo, The Dance of Reality. Yeah, Endless Poetry. Yeah, huh. one I didn't see, though. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, 4 out of 4 by Ebert. There you go. You want to try to get to this before the end of the year? That could be fun. Tie it in with uh, Orson Welles somehow? Mm. How would you do that? Lost Auteurs. Ah, okay. There you go. Ah, I'm there. there. (laughs) I like it. Done. You heard it here first, folks. There you go. Jodorowsky and Wells. More in common than you thought. Production meetings and recordings, just they blend together. There you go. Um, Any other thoughts? Do you want to pivot a little bit to the the other film of theirs? I think I do want to pivot, but I want to ask you one thing first. Um, Did you get the sense that they were evoking something deep about history and mythology in this film? That's really not the framework through which I was looking at it. I thought okay. about it much more in terms of other movies. Um, okay, the so quick cuts to me uh, made me think about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, okay. And those, you know, gunslinger showdowns Spaghetti where Western. you're... Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The, all the quick cuts between, you know, the gunslinger's eyes and their mm. guns. Um, so, to me, so they that... absolutely kind of dissected that somehow and it's hard to articulate what what exactly they did with it and what what they're what they had to say about but i can tell you that it it is kind of evocative for me in hindsight that that Um, that kind of rundown patina of of the degraded building yeah it worked more in the vein of evoking film imagery to you than definitely okay because i've kind of been considering that location Mm. right the hilltop is a very classic religious and mythological narrative however Mm. you know i it's all mythology really yeah but um you know some people still believe it but you know like where where does um moses go to get the tablets top of the Mm. mountain you know i i do think i mean for god's sakes shodorowsky's el topo (laughs) i've never seen el topo 
believe it or not. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the other name mm. of the film? Holy Mountain. There you go. Right. So th yeah. th these are some classical ideas, and, and I, I do think that there's something interesting communicated, and I, I do find it interesting that that didn't translate to you. Yeah, I mean, I think I would believe that that is probably just embedded in the films that that Let the Corpses Tan is referencing for me. Um, yes, to and me, I it's would just kind of like degrees of removal, I guess. That, but we're we're probably getting to the same thing. Well, maybe. I because it's a duo. I, th I think that both are are true. Yeah, I think that yeah. both are true. I think that there is this um, sense of of deep history and mythology in play with the history of film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's also elucidated by this um, apartment building, hotel building that we're. Yeah. That, let's just get to it now. The Strange yeah. Color of Your Body's Tears. Pretty cool title. I like the title. Pretty cool. I like that better than Let the Corpses Tan, I think. I do too. Give that a, give the, that a heart. To me, this did work uh, much better for me. Um, I found it a much easier sit. Um, the... the first half was an easy sit for me. Yeah. Um, the uh, the imagery was 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 much more evocative for me, um, and I did think that this had a a, a a rhythm that just struck a chord with me a, a bit more so than Let the Corpses Tan did. Um, and narratively not terribly invested but i felt like that was um i, w I was much it, it was much easier for me to sort of let go narratively this time around kind of knowing what i was getting myself into um and just let some of this wash over me um and i think that sort of vignette like That's or so maybe even episodic structure helped a little bit mm -hmm. um no it's absolutely vignette yeah um you know just like a like a song can stick in your head i have you know pieces of this movie um that are kind of stuck in my head you know the knife kind of you know getting dragged over this this woman's body in black and white um, oh when it was against the nipple i got nervous yeah i was like uh, not my nipples nope nope <laughs> covered them um those flashbacks to the black and white and the like you know, in a way, it's tempting to say at first it's just, you know, a sequence of photographs, but, you know, it could just be something at a really slow frame rate. Um, I thought those were, were just really striking sequences. Um, there was... Uh, you and I are so different. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, there was a scene of, you know, a man and a woman, you know, uh, laying together and the glasses crushed between them. Mm -hmm. Um you know this uh you know commingling of the pain and pleasure there i thought was was resonant um so I, I you know i think there there was um really striking um textures and soundscapes here that were there were enough for me um to to enjoy myself while i was watching it so the positive is that it doesn't do what Let the Corpses Tan does, where it's just this constant quick cut, edit, cut, edit, cut, edit. Yeah. Um, but the moments that you, that you found intriguing with the... Um, we get a sound effect of photography, but you're right, it could be a slow frame rate. Yeah. That didn't... I, I mean, it just didn't work for me. 
Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, it was at the end of my day and I had already watched, I don't know how many other things yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I got exhausted looking. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, just move. Whereas what's that French film um, where he goes through time? Through series oh, of I thought we might talk about this. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it in French. La Jeté? The Jetty? La Jetty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or La Jeté, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or La Jetée. <laughs> I, I, I don't really know. Um, yeah. That works for me. And I once word, again, yeah. this is a... I, I interpret form, I, I think, a little bit more based on the um, apparatus through which I'm viewing it. Mm-hmm. And if this were a short, I would view it an entirely different lens of context but because this is a feature-length film i think that when they finally arrive at these still photograph um segments where they're kind of slowly cutting them together for this idea of motion and progression mm-hmm. um, it does have an interesting payoff we'll say but mm-hmm. i don't think that it's the best way to segue into that after halfway point in a feature film like I don't think as yeah. an editor I would ever recommend someone to slow down the pace when you're more than halfway in right yeah. your complaint last week with a, a simple favor is how it kind of felt like it slowed down in that third act for you Yeah, which yeah, is just after the halfway point yeah. so I think it's interesting to compare you know that slowed, slowed it down narratively for you Yeah, and I think that visually slowing it down for me mm. it did the same thing that you felt That's in a simple favor yeah makes makes sense um you, you start to get a little more, like, just uh, instinctual in, in how some of these things hit you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the, mm. they are very instinctual films that they're making. Yeah. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think sonically this was a little more interesting for me. Um, it's, hard to, it's harder to talk about, I think, in a really broad sense, but there were moments that... I was just tempted to kind of pause it and replay it um, because of how sort mm. of satisfying these sequences were. Um, what there what was, moments uh, specifically? When he first gets home and he puts on the record um, and the music starts playing and him dropping the ice cubes into his whiskey is synced gotcha. up with the music, yep. the strikes of the match, matches, yeah. you know, and the jump cuts to that image. Um, I just thought to myself, that was great. I like that. The um, the moment for me that, that I thought, you know, this is just classic Hitchcock. I mm. wanted to hear that girl scream again uh, before yeah. she goes to call the cops and the husband stops her and he goes yeah. upstairs. I was like, that scream didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. And I wanted yeah. to, but I didn't. I wanted to stay with the film because yeah. in that moment I was still entranced in it, and I didn't know if it was going to be a high-scoring film or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were split screens that I really liked. That made me think of De Palma. Um, yeah, the split screens made me think that ah, they beat De Palma. Nah, <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm trying to think about some other instances of um, just their flow that I really liked. Um, I liked one of the early vignettes with the uh, older couple, you know, hearing these voices in the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's, you know, it's it's a really pure form of that voyeuristic idea that... Just, You're talking about just, the story cutaway? Uh, story cutaway. I'm thinking about just, it's really like kind of the first episode when he's talking to the girl who's, the woman who's yeah, shrouded yeah. in so black. story and cutaway, sh- meaning uh, th- there is a, a concurrent story about this boy looking or this man looking for his wife after he returns home. yeah 
Yeah. Um, and he goes, he, he hits all these buttons and he ends up going to this old woman's home. Yeah. Who yeah. has these muses depicted upon her wallpaper. Yeah. Uh, nude. So the, these just classic um, depictions of the feminine divine or, mm. um, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of interpretations. You could say the three graces, which give breed to the nine muses or, or just nemesis and the parent muse. But um, the the way that they're laid out and the way that she is invisible within this frame gives yeah. sense to the, the elusive feminine divine, 100%. And she begins this story about her husband disappearing. Mm. And that is a, a kind of a cutaway from our concurrent story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the episode I'm referring to. Um, I thought that was just a really sharp, taut um, episode. Um you know, to me, it's evocative of this idea running throughout horror about, um, you know, the horror is in the house itself mm -hmm. um, as they, they, they think they're hearing these sounds, these voices. Um, it's about what it evokes more so than what it means in, in just in how it hit me on the first time around. It's that classic idea of the world and the walls, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was um, also a... A story within the story of the magicians by Lev Grossman, if I remember correctly. Ah, don't know that. Fun one. fact for listeners, those of there us who go. are in the know. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, you anything in particular um, struck you? It's that, weird how that it could... vignette specifically. I think yeah. that there's a. I think that that's one of the greatest shorts. If that was separated, I think that would be one of the greatest shorts of that century or or that decade. Sorry. Yeah. This decade, um, the the. I at the very end looking down at her and yeah. how that's depicted within the frame yeah. is it's just the perfect end to that short if it were to be a short yeah these these directors strike me as perfect short directors and yeah not terrible but I, I guess subpar or average at best film directors mm. and I think that they could really soar if they just kept doing shorts I think that if they yeah. wanted to win an Oscar that's yeah. how they get there um but the I, th I think the most fascinating transition um is something that i hated the most which is that slow down to that that hmm. slow frame frame rate that elicited the idea of photography yeah and then how at the end the detective is going through the photo book yeah and the end turning the pages of these different girls yeah um and then the other most interesting thing is that bed where she is listening through the stethoscope to the ceiling oh, above yeah. her feeling or hearing it, it, the building's life mm -hmm. um how at the end where the uh what arguably appears to be nemesine who is the um mother of the muses mm -hmm. it becomes the last dead body that the detective finds and he cuts mm -hmm. open the plastic and she dangles yeah. down with her head there um and if I remember correctly, they cut the hole in the head, which is a reversal mm. of Athena's ascension to godhood through the school of Zeus, mm. which is also interesting. Um, just iconography, symbology, mythologically. It's just these are fascinating reversals of the feminine divine that I found really gripping. Yeah, yeah. If you're interested in mythology taylor's your guy <laughs> i don't know how to comment um yeah again i you know i i was 
much more focused on on, on allusions to other sort of art forms. Um, I kept seeing you know people kind of refer to this director's um, work as Lynchian, which sometimes felt right, but often did not. Like to me, there yeah. usually was. I, do, I disagree. I disagree as well. To me, there there is a there is a very clear logic to the action in these movies it's just that it's rearranged and, and difficult to follow and then the one moment that did feel more like outright surrealism to be in this movie which i really did like was sort of that recurring um dream sequence scene which i think is kind of around the midpoint where he seems to the yeah, main that's character when I began to go insane didn't like that one no that's just where i began to go insane just had like enough. just as a viewer sitting there not doing something else I just started getting antsy and I was like, I just want to be done. I just want to be like, it's one of those mm. movies where I just wanted to be done already. I felt like I'd yeah. already seen the best of it. And I had, yeah, which it's really a bummer when you've already seen the best part of it and you're not interested in it anymore. Mm. I think that you might've felt that way about beyond the black rainbow at the midpoint. I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe I felt that a little bit here. I'm not, I don't really remember kind of where in the timeline that, that fit, but that, and that was another particular sequence that really struck me um you know he keeps he keeps waking up it's really not clear what what exactly um logically is happening if there's any logic to this sequence related to the the broader narrative Mm -hmm. it sure doesn't seem like i did not interpret it that way i cannot offer any interpretation except that you know he keeps coming um out of a slumber coming to his door he's like on the other side of the door um, and we keep yeah, getting these recurring the, like, cut face with the eyes behind the face. I don't know. It's yeah. You keep seeing his back getting slashed. Yeah. Um, to me, it was very evocative. To me, it's it's evocative of um, it every slash that you've seen in every horror movie from Suspiria to Just the Kill. slasher movie we we've seen in the past year. Um, you know, you know, the it's moments like those that the logics doesn't matter it's about just the feeling um from the individual pieces of of the movies that we love um so something interesting you said about colin minahan's film that i didn't find was this self-awareness that was making fun of itself mm. didn't translate to me as much as it translated to you yeah um in this though i did feel like it translated even mm. better than it translated in dress to kill yeah just that constant slashing made me think yeah. of dress to kill and I just began to laugh at it. It was so absurd. Like, I was just like, this is a comedy. This yeah. is just a boring comedy at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, to me, there is something comedic about it. Um, right, because it's To the me, cut it wasn't slash, boring, but... Uh, yeah, or it's the slash cut back to the beginning of the slash, cut back to the razor tracing the skin, cut back to the slash happening again, <laughs> all while there's, like, a separate soundtrack where we're just listening to the cut happening like over and over depending on which version of the dream we're in yeah and i i mean the first time that this happens i was like is this reality <laughs> like what's what happening i'm tired <laughs> I, I don't wanna <laughs> yeah um to me i mean if if you you know kind of see editing as something that um as one of the key distinguishing features of cinema that we have these other parts of the form in other art forms like performance and theater, um, no, sound and absolutely. music in a feature um, film. Editing is crucial. Yeah. Um, 
you know they're they're, they're taking the pieces of, of the genre that they're working in rearranging them and by changing that context it sort of um distances you from the images and kind of makes you think about why they feel the way they do when you see them in other movies and that's why that that scene is just sort of it kind of has this uncanny um resonance for me because it does like i I can't tell you why but like um something like dress to kill comes to mind and i mean i guess i can tell you but like narratively like i i I can't make any connection it's just about that sheer feeling of watching a knife go through skin did it also Um, feel like halloween though I just haven't seen that movie in a long time. But I haven't like, either, but yeah, didn't why it not? feel like you think Halloween would feel? Yeah, totally. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like the leery or eerie music um, and yeah. the face wearing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's why I think this is probably just going to strike everybody differently. And to me, that that is why it's like a, a kind of cinema that does excite me because it's one that I would want to watch with people mm-hmm. and be like, what did you get from that? Yeah. And they're going to name god knows what mm-hmm. um and i'll be like yep that is that's not what came to mind yeah but but, um, but it's, it's worthwhile to know yeah what what's interesting is like at the end of this film i'd be more excited to see their next film than i am at the mm-hmm. end of let the corpses tan I would agree. but i i do want to bring it back to two things that i brought up in let the corpses tan um the idea of justice and the these mm-hmm. uh justice structures such as the police force or the mm-hmm. detectives and the structure within the narrative, which is, in this case, an apartment building. Yeah. Which evokes the idea of a hotel. Um, uh, it, it kind of evokes some of three colors. No? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, did you get anything extra textual out of the setting or this justice component and what their conversation maybe to the European history is? Uh, no, not in terms of uh, ideas of justice. Um, I think the idea of an apartment building or a hotel is, you know, evocative of, um, the idea of a single, single place harboring many stories Mm -hmm. and feelings and events and sensations. And to me, that is, um, you know, something of value. Um, but, um, that's interesting. I mean, I, 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 I was not watching these in the context of, of, of European history or, um, uh, anything like that I was thinking about it more in terms of um, a sensory experience or sort of a, a dissection of um, cinema history I, rather I do than think historical both of those are present history. as well <laughs> yeah but, but I also think that there's something like the, the first detective encounter is basically well you'd be surprised why they leave I'm sure she's fine right Mm. it's it's once again this negative connotation of the the justice system of france not italy in this case and then at the end he is the one who unveils the muse who is dead Mm. above the bed covering up the what could arguably be interpreted as the mother of muses above the bed Mm. um with the bed being the ideal meaning the sexual procreation act and then as he's backing up He's looking around. He hears a sound, I believe, and then he is stabbed. Yeah. As the the dreams foretold, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that there's something interesting being communicated about their interpretation of European history. Like, like if mm-hmm. we were to say, um, 
films by African-American directors depicting justice have anything interesting to say. I think the same has to be interpreted into these European films. Mm. I think that we're missing some connotations, especially in something so evocative of imagery and, mm. and atmosphere if we try if we don't make the effort to at least say that perhaps something's there so i just wanted to make that effort and then as far as the building i it made me think of is it juliet binoche and maybe the three colors blue who Mm -hmm. moves into that apartment after the um she moves out of her house Uh and it's kind of this stirring awkward moment uh or or like concurrent awkward moments of her living there and and how she kind of feels like a ghost yeah yeah, it, it certainly made me think of that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I that really hadn't come to mind, but that makes um, I can completely understand how this would evoke that. Yeah. Um, I just went different direction. I, I thought I thought Suspiria with the bold, vibrant color. Um, yeah, it lost on me. So yeah, um, I was thinking about every movie that I'd ever seen that um, that involved a haunted house. Really simple tropes. Sure. Um, that seem to um, contain more than is whatever is exactly in the So frame. you bought in that it was haunted? Um, no, I didn't. I don't know that I would like buy that literally um, okay, in the context but, of the narrative. But that was the idea. That see, was, I never got struck there. me. Got it. That, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Natalie Dormer had a film that she co-wrote and her, I think, husband directed called in darkness it's not a particularly good yeah, film but the uh the the exposition is pretty good and it has this kind of similar feeling of the apartment building mm. and it, it even made me think of that just for listeners that have watched that recently that it yeah. kind of plays into this classical narrative of a, a murderous location mm. but it yeah. certainly didn't make me think of like the house on the haunted hill which is something yeah. i would have liked to think about because that's one of my favorite films yeah yeah um yeah, so having seen these, no interest in revisiting their other feature, Amer? Or would um, you still watch I'm it? I'm interested, but I, I am going to prioritize their shorts. Yeah. I would like to appreciate them before I tear them down again. That makes sense. Um, and I think that Amer will not make me like them more, just mm. judging by these two feature film efforts. Yeah. However, moving backward... It only got better. So if it only gets better, um, I noticed that you want to see Amr more than the ABCs of Death, though. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little confused about the ABCs of Death. It's an anthology, right? Yes. So maybe, maybe, so. It, maybe there's a short in there that could be good. Who knows? It could be. I don't but know that I want to watch not, the whole thing. I'd, I'd rather not. watch the. Um, what is that? Oh, there's this really good one where they're like in like joshua tree california or like nevada in the desert and you can't leave like this area you southbound keep... yeah i'd rather rewatch <laughs> that anthology i like that anthology quite a bit for the anthologies at some point um and then recently um showing its um teaser trailer was twilight zone from jordan peele mm this is kind of a good place to segue. We, I believe, will be reviewing uh, two episodes at a time on that, or at least one episode mm. at a time. Uh, so whenever that does premiere, we will be reviewing it because it's be fun. Jordan Peele and it's anthology. Gotta do that. So we yeah. can probably just go one episode at a time. Yeah. Tie it in with whatever concurrent show we're watching. Um, we're a couple weeks away now from getting to two episodes of The Deuce at a time. Yeah. So Excited for that. Just 
wanted to get that out into the ether so people know. Get um, on it. I think we're going to take a short break, then we'll return to Panos Cosmatos is. Cosmatoses. Cosmatos? Oh, is Cosmati? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I believe it's the Cosmatis. Yeah. Um, beyond the Black Rainbow. You are about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. Rainbow, directed and written by Panos Cosmatos, cinematography by Norm Lee, edited by Nicholas Shepard. Watched in anticipation of the Nicholas Cage starring Mandy. By you, watched in uh, ecstasy after watching Mandy by me. That's right. Oh yeah, I hadn't realized that. I wonder if that'll play into this at all. Um, yeah, uh, I like this movie. I enjoyed it. Um, had some problems, but I enjoyed this overall. You, um, knee-jerk reaction? Loved it. All right. Here we no go. No question. Loved mm. it. Um, now, something interesting is that you rated What Keeps You Alive higher than this, correct? Um, I don't remember, actually. I think I thought I gave them both three and a half. I Maybe. Mean, I might have taken it down. When um, I checked, you had Beyond the Black Rainbow to three. That's possible. I mean... I would just say, I liked them both. Let's put it that way, uh, with with problems okay. for both. Okay. Um, Focus on the words. Th- there are mm. some problems, um, but I think that they're there for a purpose, and I think that they do mm. provide structural integrity. Problems for me, I should say. Yeah. Well, I I think mm. I mean you might startle me, but I think that your problems mm. are going to be things that I'm kind of aware of that I felt. Mm. That I just was okay with, whereas yeah. maybe you weren't okay with it. But I, yeah. I do think that they were there for structural integrity of the idea of what he wanted to depict. Mm. Yeah, that could be. Um, yeah, I think uh, what I noted in my review is that, um, kind of similar to Strange Colors, actually, my favorite part came right in the middle of the movie. Um, but we can maybe kind the of breakout? work... The what? Breakout? The breakout? The breakout. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. Out. Not of the girl breaking out of the facility. No, no, no. Um, I think that guy's name is Barry, the main character, right? His bad trip, essentially. Uh, His in psychedelic the, in the dark bad trip. pool before the molten um, head. Face-melting sequence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite sequence of this movie. Um, that was a great sequence, but I'd be lying if I told you that the beginning glasswork is not my favorite sequence. There sequences. you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe just starting with style. Um, yeah. You like what this movie's doing with color, with, with uh, rhythm. Somebody and... on Letterboxd asked me if, because they liked Mandy's first half, but they didn't like the second half, so they wondered if they would like this. Mm. And they, I, I was trying mm. to kind of explain how it feels to watch this film, um, mm. just by contrasting two different films. Mm-hmm. And um, it the way I would put how it feels to watch this film is it's as if you're watching Under the Skin crossed with Blade Runner 2049 Mm. through the voice of David Lynch. Interesting. Like the narrative Mm. voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Say more about the Lynchian thing. 
I don't know if I saw that I, there. I think that the um, the metaphorical voice that Panos mm. Cosmatos is bringing um, and how he's depicting these um, average, normal things that we would see within a narrative structure, but how that plays into something deeper w- within um, thoughts and, and within meditation and, and within history and within mythology. Um, I, I think it is very Lynchian how the, the girl is evoked and her her powers are very unassuming um Mm. a a lot of surrealism restriction um is kind of Mm. how it's depicted Mm. uh whereas under the skin you never get to powers you never get to kind of these superfluous acts of of ecstasy Mm. um and i think that lynch does do that in his films right the the recurring Mm. female um I, I I think it just is very within tone of mm. his of Lynch's consistent focuses within his narratives. Yeah, and I, I think mm. that that narrative voice that he has is something that has many similarities to the structure of both Mandy and this, specifically the mm. female and how he yeah. depicts them and their ascension. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It didn't it didn't strike me when I was when I was watching it. Um, like it's not the first but, thing I would scream about, but I, yeah, I'd say that yeah. if you're taking the idea visually of Under mm-hmm. the Skin visually and Blade Runner twenty forty nine visually, and then mm-hmm. you were to incor- yeah, encapsulate that I see. absolutely encapsulate yeah. how this narrative were to progress, I think mm-hmm. it's Lynchian. Got it. I, this, I don't got it, but the, that's okay. Ab- <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> right, it's this average, atypical, down to earth world. Mm-hmm. Um type of a narrative that is just doing crazy shit Mm. okay i think maybe what we're getting at is that when you think lynch you think twin peaks yes got it okay see i mean when and and you think season one even more so that makes a lot more sense it's probably just because the return is so in the forefront of my mind well even Um, in the first episode i would say the first episode when um kyle mclaughlin comes in in the return to that Mm -hmm. house I think he's toting a shotgun, and it's the shootout sequence. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the end of Beyond the Black Rainbow is kind of reminiscent of that. Got it, yeah. I mean... Where he encounters mm, them in the woods. Yeah. At this point, in my own sort of relationship with Lynch's work, like, I do think about his more, like, his, his purest attempts at surrealism, which is just um, chock full of non-sequiturs. So to me, there was, there was such a logic logical progression to this movie um that that didn't quite come to mind but then if i think more specifically about that season yes. twin peaks season one that makes more sense um and i think and the, I, it, it made me feel how some of his moments and other pieces have felt like if you were yeah. to just take a moment of how it feels i do think it feels like that and i'm not saying that, mm. it, that it necessarily is the same but specifically the word feel it feels like under the skin mm. with blade runner 2049 from the voice of david lynch it mm. isn't that, but that's how it felt to gotcha. to yeah. be there basking in its glow. Yeah. So this is where we might digress. For me, one of the problems that I think I have with his style, Cosmatos's style, um, too is, good. Got it. It's it, it it is to me sometimes overly precise. Um, do you ever do you ever like hear people talking at a movie and you want to ask them about what they're talking about? Um, mm-hmm. After the theater, there were some girls sitting behind me, and at the end they said, "Like, didn't you feel like it was trying a little too hard?" 
and I was like, I'm with you. I kind of felt that. Um, and to me, that's something I felt in both these movies. We'll talk about Mandy separately, but I felt I think that was an issue I had with both. Um, I would not disagree. He is trying yeah. very hard. Um, and there, I mean, that's it's a tricky thing. I think there are movies that feel meticulous and that feel effortless, nonetheless. Sometimes they feel meticulous, and and I and I really feel the effort, and that sort of deprives it of a sense of possibility or something like that for me. Um, which is like not not a huge criticism. It's just something you know that holds me back a little bit from from just absolutely loving these movies. Um, Your loss. Yeah, I mean, I I, I always want to love it. Um, I. I, I was never as wrapped up in this movie because I felt like it was was maybe just sapped of a little bit of energy that I kind of wanted it, um, despite sort of the deliberate, patient tone of some of Lynch's work. It always feels like it might sort of break open um, within within uh, an energy that'll really mm-hmm. bring me into it. That I don't feel with these quite as much, um, but that I did get in the center of this movie with that sort of psychedelic trip. Um, yeah. Um, okay. You brought up that hard in the last one, <laughs> in the last film, um, "The Color of Your Body's Tears." You brought up mm. how it felt like a song. Mm. Yeah. Okay. To me, this felt like a melodic song, like mm. a melodic metal song, yeah. where I. I was just with it. I was interested in how often it could be perfect and precise as it is hitting these chords. Um, And, and it did that. And for me and the, the buttressing uh, segues that bring you in and out of the film, I thought were just Mm. logistically perfect. Mm. Like it was just ironic and pleasurable that Mm. we are being led into watching this, um, you know, yeah, the the purpose of you watching this is our pursuit of perfect happiness. Yeah. Right. Who doesn't Lowly disagree newing. with um, attempting to bring about less suffering and more pleasure and empathy and joy for the human race? Right. Mm-hmm. So it brings you in with these atypical, um, you know, just monologue. I, mm-hmm. I guess that you would just envision coming from Hulu's The Path or from Twin Peaks even, right? It's just very much uh, just this boring, normal strategy of bringing you into a meditation center even. Yeah, it's like an infomercial or something. Yeah, yeah. And then we're there. We're in the film. And at the very end of the film, she's alive. She got him to fall and break his neck yeah satisfyingly and she emerges from the forest and she's looking at this house glowing so, so we're looking at a house a row of houses the kind of mm-hmm. this idyllic nuclear family uh, appearing look and mm-hmm. the house is glowing with a moving picture you can tell by mm-hmm. the light change of this glowing television and mm-hmm. she's looking at it looking for something looking for mm. something more after her freedom's been achieved. Yeah. And that's very much, I think, how the viewer ends this film, looking mm. at this glowing picture, looking for something mm. more, looking for something buried within it. And yeah. I, I do think that what he's able to do 
with those metaphorical transitions is why I love him so much as a mm. as an auteur. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, that makes sense. Um, did did her did her presence kind of resonate for you? That's part yes. of where yeah, I, she it, very much elicited on Taylor Joy for me. Oh, interesting. With this very um, abject kind of performance, where she is the subject of these experiments, mm. and the only way that she can continue living and within her own sense of self is by it not acknowledging these figures that are testing her and subjecting her to this terror yeah 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 i think i just had a little bit of a harder time kind of connecting with her um when did you know she had abilities um probably not until later in the film for most of it i i was seeing her just as a um as a victim rather than um as a character with power um um but yeah i, I mean isn't that even, so lynch though i was um, seeing her as a victim and then i saw her as a character of power i don't know that just is lynch yeah me. yeah perhaps um but yeah, you know, I, I also I, I had a hard time with the male character as well. Um, I, I just kind of wanted, um, I couldn't help but want him to lighten up a little bit. Um, yeah, well, you go melt your face off, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think it. This is a movie that kind of depends on what sort of um, appreciation you have for different visual styles. I mean, some people. You know, if, if if geometric precision kind of is a uh, visual style that resonates with you, I think you're gonna it like is. this movie. I mean, yeah. to me, it's not really my thing, but like, really, not not quite. But you like the camera? What the fuck? Man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the the no the, man. The, <laughs> Period. What the fuck? We're done. <laughs> I mean, it, it it it's it's it does get tricky to decide what, why it works for me in some movies and maybe not in others. I mean, you see people comparing this to, to two thousand one, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, not even close to being the same quality of film over time, but it's absolutely visually and iconographically in similar. Yeah. And influenced by. Yeah. Sure. Um. I kept felt I kept feeling like this was wanting me to take it more seriously than I could. Like I needed some sort of tonal levity to kind of give me a moment, a moment to take my breath. Um, I think that's something Lynch does very well is knowing when to kind of inject his pitch black comedy into these movies um, or just his work mm-hmm. um, that sort of lets some air in. Um, yeah, the the introduction gave me all I needed with that, mm. and then the exit with um, the two. Uh, guys that are listening to Nosferatu, I believe. At the very end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe her coming out of those spheres just looked too much like the Amazon spheres. I just that felt too close to home. Ah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Figuring it out. Your your Amazon Prime. <laughs> the guy looked a little bit like Bezos. I mean, I kind of think this is. He uh, kind of did. He kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> so like um, when he removes his eye. And, and his hair and that, mm. that sick looking gel mm. kind of oozes down very uh, very much like um, we were talking about last episode I think with the alien 
for you mm. when when uh, Harry Dean Stanton's picking up this line? Yeah, that didn't yeah. work for you. Not quite. Didn't okay. hate it, but um, it didn't have the power that um, it felt like it was supposed to have for me. It, um, there you yeah. go. It absolutely worked for me. So there, there you go. go. Um, what about Done. the um, <laughs> the kind of VHS grain line symmetry? that he plays with where he's putting um these these lines very purposefully in front of the frame in post on on either side or in the in the middle specifically sometimes he does it right down the center um where the third eye would would be which is a constant image within this did any of that work for you sometimes yeah and 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 that's part of why i think i still probably like this more than i didn't right like still give it a three and a half and star or maybe I gave it a three. I don't know. I still liked it more than I didn't. Um, like there's almost something, mean? or a heart. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, like there's almost something kind of mathematical about these mm-hmm. compositions. It's very um, geometrical. Yeah. Um, very very purposeful. Um, some of them were cool. Some of them struck me. Um, other ones just. Uh, other times it just felt a little too self serious for me. Um, just a little uh, almost too gloomy this is this is a weird thing for me to say i usually like something very much about ambiance which i think this is um this kind of felt like a you know hermetically sealed world that i wanted to open up a bit somehow oh one image that like really did kind of work for me and there were moments where i felt like i kind of got that one is the centerpiece i'll stop talking about that where it kind of breaks open um there's a shot where the nurse is smoking a cigarette and uh, the ash falls from her cigarette and onto the ground. Um, yeah, great close-up. Great close-up of this um, sort of antiseptic environment sort of being contaminated or something like that. That was a really resonant shot for me. What, what about um, the preceding moment where she's rifling through this book of the depiction of sexuality? Um, I remember that. I think that worked okay for me. I'm trying to remember some of the images specifically. Um, but she, yeah, she I remember the, the book and it, yeah. it's just a very like clinical but also sexual yeah. uh book that shows testes and, and penis and vulva and uh it, it it kind of gets a little bit creepy though as it's just continuously depictions of male nudity mm. and I, I think at one point it's a girl with her legs spread spreading her labia majora yeah um yeah. And, and it's just kind of a, a you know you you start to feel creepy like whose diary is this because these are all hand drawn mm-hmm. uh, and she she gets startled by it and and quickly closes it and flicks her cigarette. Yeah, yeah. It was handy to watch these back to back and seek maybe his interest in sort of hand drawn animation, which we can talk about a little bit more in Mandy as we get yes. some of those moments. Um, I loved those moments. Ah, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I I did think that was that was a cool touch, um, and the moment when the nurse does sort of transform into whatever it is she transforms into um i did think was cool i i I had fun um watching that sort of unravel um but uh yeah i just wanted that ending to have a bigger impact than it did um i felt like that was supposed to be this dread filled kind of chase sequence um that just left me a little more empty than i kind of wanted it to uh, and I interpreted that as making fun of the genre, which is mm. this idea that things matter more than they do as we're mm. let in by mm. that, that 
uh, monologue narrative of we're going to bring about joy and we're going to chemically induce perfect humanity mm. and how it's just such a mundane, stupid goal. And that yeah. at the end, you're just left staring at this moving image glowing from a house in the darkness. Yeah. I, that just works for me. That Like the, the communication of idea of how futile all this is worked for me. And how you yeah. can build it up as much as you want and have these experiences of ecstasy personally. Yeah. But they don't translate. Mm. Your moments yeah. of joy don't translate. Yeah. Um, someone can care about you enough for it to translate and they'll be happy that you had those. But you you can't translate your feelings of ecstasy and joy to anyone else. It just doesn't work like that. And yeah. it's just, I, I felt like it was a hilarious interpretation that showed the futility mm. and the fragility of these experiences. Yeah more you picked up on more self-awareness yes yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead uh, i was gonna say what about the pyramid uh just kind of as an image as a symbol yeah um it didn't do a lot for me okay. um yeah i thought it was <laughs> good looking and i thought that yeah. it, it was used effectively in, in editing transitions yeah uh, yeah how it would rotate and like they have the inverted inverted pyramid at one point inside of itself which I, I it's just a very interesting idea if you're aware of those ideas yeah yeah if there's anything i like about his style it is the transitions i mean there's some really cool dissolves and fades right like mm -hmm. the editing is, is really really smooth and um affecting okay so mm. my favorite moment mm. i don't think you're gonna have liked it Mm, but I really okay. liked it. Uh, it's this moment that evokes Star Wars very much, mm. where she transitions from one ladder to another across the wind tunnel. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you respond to that? Uh, neutral, I guess. Neutral. That's interesting, okay. yeah. That was possibly my favorite moment. Nice. No, I, that's, I wouldn't have thought of it. Yeah, it's just... Mm. Um, I based on what i saw each of the pipes were a different shade so i interpreted that as possibly um the colors of the rainbow do you recall if the mm. pipes there are the colors of the Ooh. rainbow i'll have to go back Be because like, I, 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 I believe that the wind tunnel pipe is kind of this blackish gray at least to me mm. and then the pipes are different colors so i interpreted that as the black rainbow mm. um and her transition to that is her ascension to freedom and just mm. that that um as just a short image it is just a very beautiful transition to me mm. of this narrative switching gears completely and just yeah. communicating that through visual imagery yeah yeah i'm trying to remember she kind of crawls out one side of it and she crawls comes out, out the other side and then right she, she climbs up and then she, and, and you're like oh she's gonna get out yeah like you're waiting for her to climb up yeah. And then she gets over on this ledge and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? You're like, to go up. And, and she, <laughs> she goes across and then she goes right back in the opposing yeah. entrance. Pushes kind of the block yeah. to the wall. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it was just, it, I don't know, it communicated to me this transition. Very, mm -hmm. very nice pivot point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thinking again about the ending, that was maybe another moment where if I did feel Lynch, it was there when she is looking at that row of houses which you know it kind of the wide shot sort of just looks like a suburb or something mm -hmm. like that um and if there's anything um that i think about when i think about blue velvet it's sort of the the seedy underside of 
suburbia. So to have what we saw just take place just next to what looks like an ordinary yeah, um, it could be anywhere. suburb where there are probably going to be kids riding their bikes the next yeah. day. It makes me think about the intro to Blue Velvet where you see a row of houses, people watering their lawns, a fire truck drives by and the fireman waves at the camera and then the camera like goes beneath the ground and you see just like insects crawling beneath the ground. Mm. Um, Sounds nice. Right? Yeah. It's like. I've never seen Blue Velvet. That's the side that we spend most of Panos' movies in. And at the yes. very end, he kind of lets us above the surface and sees w- what this is all set against. Yes. Um, and, and the futility of everything happening under the ground. Yeah. 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 It's one of those movies that I, I, I could watch again in a, in a, in a little while. It could probably move a lot since it is, you know, um, so heavily uh, interested in style. This can be much more about sort of your your state of mind, your openness to it. Um, just like you said, you watch Strange Colors and you're tired and you're like, I just don't want to do this right now. Um, I don't know if I, I was tired or if I got tired watching it. <laughs> Maybe like, it I think it might have fatigue. exhausted me. Like it is a yeah. challenging film that exhausts, you know. Yeah, I could see this. Kind of like Lawrence of Arabia is a challenging film that exhausts, based yeah. on what I've heard. You and I have never seen it, and we're going to be trying to get to that soon. Yeah. It's only a four-hour yeah. film, so... No big deal. <laughs> I would happily go watch this again in the theater. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. This would be That'd beautiful be to look at, especially yeah. if Cinerama did some sort of a double feature for it downtown. Oh, yeah. would be great. That'd be cool. Well, should we get to Mandy? Mandy. Under the crimson primordial sky, the wretched reached into the dark embrace. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I need you to get me that girl I saw. Do you know what to do? You're a special one, Mandy. We're going hunting. So what you want? It's crazy evil. Mandy. Directed and written, once again, by Panos Cosmatos. Cinematography by Benjamin Loeb. Editing by two different editors here, Brett Bachman and Paul Painter. All right. What did you think of Mandy, Michael? I like Mandy quite a bit. Me too. Yeah. All right. That's it. Done. Done. Uh, four and a half from me. What'd you get it? Four. Ooh. I'm splitting hairs here. Uh, I'll <laughs> split this hair all day. I'll go get a razor blade. We'll, we'll get real fine in here. Um, I liked Andrea Riseborough more so than I liked Nicolas Cage. Um, really? Yeah. I, I think that they each gave equal performances. I think that mm. Andrea Riseborough was asked to do something that played into her strengths more so than Nicolas Cage was, but I think that mm. both gave really compelling and interesting performances that I wouldn't mm. raise one up against the other, because mm. I think that each one's performance is so um, drawn out by the performance of the other. Mm. Yeah. Um, you could argue that this was his goal, but I very much wanted her back in the second half of the film. 
you're gonna be like, well, yes. that's the point. <laughs> but like, Mandy. I did. I really like wish there was a version of this movie somehow that could have given me more time with her because she was so good, or just because I liked her so much. Um, you talked about um, in the strange color of your body's tears how the pace slowed down a bit in the second half and how mm-hmm. you felt like that was maybe counterproductive i maybe kind of felt the same thing here like i wanted maybe something a little bit more invigorating in the second half than what i got um i was kind of expecting this to somehow be even more um exhilarating than it, well than it was yeah mm. uh, my com- my biggest complaint with this is the same complaint i have for you were never really here mm. which is great brutal violence fuck yeah just how about we actually see it consistently please mm. And I I think that You Were Never Really Here doesn't translate the reasons for why we're not getting that as well as Mandy did. And that's where the Mm. separation is for me. I I understood why it was so hard for him to get there. Um, Right. This is the 1980s. He is restricted. He is finding things out for the first time. He is using a crossbow. He is using a a hand-forged chrome axe, it appears. Um, He's kind of restricted in ways that Joaquin Phoenix wasn't. Mm. Um, especially by Lynn Ramsey's editing um, or whoever edited for that film, I, I think was more restrictive than Mandy had for editing. I, and the progression made sense. I certainly would have rather had more bad people getting murdered. Yeah. Along the way. Hard to argue with that. I will take more of Nicolas Cage murdering people than less of yes. Nicolas Cage murdering people. Um, I think we're going to disagree here. I was less crazy about the animated sequences. Those took me out of it. Yeah. Um, I liked them in themselves. Those were great pieces. It really it oh, really sort yeah. of broke the, the rhythm for me. No, um, I, I was very much in the mindset of I'm watching a live action, serious episode of Metalocalypse. So every time I, I got is. back to the cartoon sequences, I was like, fuck yeah, we're in Metalocalypse. It's yeah. a uh, cartoon network, uh, not Toonami, but um, not animation domination. Jesus Christ. Uh, what's the late night thing that they do? Adult Swim. It's an Adult ah, Swim show. There we go. Gotcha. Nice. Um, the the title cards, um, you know, telling us at first we're in the Shadow Mountains, and then it says Children of the Dawn. Mm-hmm. Wasn't crazy about them. Um, I would have rather yeah, no, we just stayed with the rhythm. Yeah, that's of the metal. Of the metal? Yeah, metal. Ah, like gotcha. It, it is very much of that heavy metal um genre mm. genre of music or film or what do oh, you mean the I, I think that heavy metal at this point is kind of a, a transitory genre mm-hmm. across art and and i think that panos cosmatos is very much evoking that heavy metal feel into mm. uh visual iconography gotcha yeah um and if you're not there you're not there no worries it just worked for me because I, I was there yeah, I mean, like, visually, if you're, to me, it's like if I'm listening to, like, drone metal and it's this kind of, like, constant, um, you know, just deluge of sound and you're trying to do the same thing with images, that that was a break in continuity for me. Yeah, um, no, um, so there's, like, I, I don't know what the com- the proper names for these different metal subgenres are, right? Yeah. But I, I, I think of, like, epic metal kind of Mm. that tells a story there's a lot of narrative based metal Mm. and that's what this was for me it was a narrative based metal where where we were going Mm. through different songs in progression to Mm. this quest to avenge the wrongful death of this girl which is very much um just i metal 
seems to be heavily based in uh, Scandinavia right now. And mm. much of Scandinavian mythology and, and folklore comes around the, the wrongful termination mm. of a woman and then a man's quest to uh, right that wrong. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But in that case, like it would have worked better for me had each of them sort of felt like more distinct chapters or something like that. To me, they they kind of felt like wrinkles in a overall very similar pace. To me, the pace never really changed. Um, so to kind of get taken out of it um, felt like um, it was just, uh, it, it felt, kind of, I don't know, kind of disrupting. It wasn't a huge deal, but it took me out of it a little bit. Um, I'd say it felt like the distinctive um, ascension of like a, an epic saga like Beowulf. Yeah. There are these certain acts that do need to happen, and there there are tonal shifts uh, in what the goals of the character are. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that that's kind of a fine abbreviation that, you know, his wife is still alive. We're in a different point in time. Mm-hmm. He's been, quote unquote, crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the ring of barbed wire on him. Um, so he he's in this frame of mind, and then he's freed, and, and that's a different trend. So I, I see the transition of the epic hero narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, if you're not there, you're not there. It's mm. just, I think it's very much for people that are there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I really love the the, the the demons or whatever you want to call them that the cult leader does manage mm-hmm. to summon. Those were easily my favorite parts of this movie. Um, well, I think... demons, quote-unquote, they're just normal yeah. people that are super fucking high mm-hmm. on a special type of LSD mm-hmm. made from this dude that works in the mm-hmm. quarry. <laughs> Uh, with a bunch of bolts strapped to them. Yeah. Demonic dudes, perhaps. Yeah. How about um, that uh, the big old metal prick? Yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if I compare that to, like, the design of the villain in uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, I'm like, I'm like, this is now more my kind of thing. But it's, I was into I, it. <laughs> I think it's because... I, I think it's comparing apples and oranges because mm-hmm. in Beyond the Black Rainbow, the villain is a main character. Mm-hmm. And within this, once again, to bring up our classic metaphor, they are Ben Foster's. Mm. They are hemmed to the edges. They are the wolf barking at your heels. Mm. They, they're, they're the thing that, that is coming from out of frame, from beyond the fence, that, that's creating mm. the structure of the narrative. We mm. never really go beyond their definitions until we ascend to the church after he's on yep. the mountaintop. So... I, I, I think that they're asked to do less and therefore they can have cooler character designs. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. But it had the character in Beyond the Black Rainbow had an even more striking transformation, it might have worked for me more. Um, I, I, I sort of I like agree. his heightened style. I, um, I, I do agree. I just think that the tone of Beyond the Black Rainbow doesn't get there. It's so mm-hmm. down to earth. Mm-hmm. Like he's still very much a human. Right? He's yeah. wearing these things yeah. that are covering up his humanity. Yeah. You're, he's not peeling away the, to the point where he's Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, and I and I, I would agree that it would be cool if he got there, but I don't think that that fit the tone of what he wanted to communicate. Yeah. yeah. Which is That's a very right. human experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I, like sometimes the transitions between images were... Uh, as good if not better than the images themselves right the way he's just dissolving between these different uh, hues of color and um, kind of geometrical compositions it's just it's just great stuff Um, I could watch that all day Um, what was your favorite part of the movie 
Ooh, I don't know. Watching watching those demons first um, kind of appear atop of the hill um, when they're first summoned. Um, that was that was pretty strong. Um, how about you? Something coming to mind? Oh yeah. Uh, starting from when he wakes up with handcuffed over a uh, metal grate mm-hmm. to when he leaves. He kills mm. a bunch of bad guys. He snorts a Scarface pile of coke. He, does. he uh, a takes a again. microdose of super high-powered LSD, and we get a really cool visual image there. And he acquires all of his weapons again. Classic RPG normal narrative story uh, for the yeah. hero epic. After you know, you after you reach the point where you're supposed to be, something foils you and gets in your way, and then you have to reacquire all your weapons. And in doing so, you increase the power of yourself, which he does yeah. with these two drugs and then he goes on to to finish the job against the uh the last remaining fellow who is outside in a very cool epic brawl yeah pretty strong stuff um you like nicholas cage well nicholas cage good or bad <laughs> that is the question right um how much nicholas cage did you watch enough enough <laughs> <laughs> really should uh have worked that in here and rewatched it. Nicholas Cage, good or bad? A challenge, certainly, but not insolvable because all actors have distinct values, which I use to find answers. Abed, how much Nicholas Cage did you get? Enough! I watched enough to find the answers because this. This is my reality. This is how I learned to be. And my being doesn't allow for Nicholas freaking Cage, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. this feel to you like Nicolas Cage playing a character? Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage? Or is it some uh, combination of the two? I think it's hard to not talk about him in a movie without talking about his baggage. I'm a, I think that is maybe one part of the movie that didn't totally work for me. I, I, it absolutely worked for me, <laughs> but I can't say that your definitions are the correct ones. It's like Nicolas Cage doing both the things you said. Yeah. But yeah. also, he just watched The Room. Mm. And he's acting yeah. like Tommy was out. <laughs> yeah. Or he just yeah. watched uh, James Franco act like he's Tommy was out. Yeah. Like, it's it's somewhere in there. Or perhaps mm. he just watched both uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2 of Best Fiends, Best Friends. Yeah. Did you watch uh, Mom and Dad? Oh, yeah. Earlier Loved this year? it. Yeah. Good movie, right? Yeah, great. To movie. me, that was very much Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage. I think that that um, might even be ahead of uh, your precious number 10, Won't You Be My Neighbor? On my list? Oh, on your list. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, it's something about how he uses his eyes in there when he's looking mm-hmm. at his kids. Like, it's just, it's just great stuff. Um, I almost don't know if he kind of got me as excited as I was kind of hoping he would in the second half of this movie. Um, I was more excited by how Cosmatos was kind of staging these things than his presence in the movie. Um, I, could, I, I don't know that this movie would have lost a lot had he been 
uh, traded for somebody else. His um, his visual communication uh, of his face absolutely worked for me. Mm. As a, yeah, I think it's a great performance. Mm. Um, I I don't really know exactly how to dictate why that works. Yeah. As much as Abed doesn't know how to quite dictate uh, whether or not he's a good or bad actor. Yeah. But I I do think that um, in this he is a good actor, and I think he communicates the exact tone of that epic hero who's kind of nameless who his face isn't necessary perfectly mm. yeah like I, th- I think that the fact that you think that you can replace him is exactly what Panos was going for the, this idea mm. of kind of this you know you have to choose someone to play a role but it's kind of a faceless role where you could like switch it out for any actor and it's still the same story it doesn't change right you, there's yeah. certain other things where if you change an actor out, you completely change the tone of a movie. Whether or yeah. not Steve Carell is the com- the comedic character in that film will change the tone of the movie. Yeah, uh, and I don't think that um, that that was the goal here. I think it was to make it as kind of um, neutral a performance, but as over the top and committed a performance as you can. And I think Nicolas mm. Cage absolutely communicated that. Yeah, I could kind of see that. I mean, I. I think I gravitate more towards hoping that an actor feels like they belong there. Um, oh, he it seems like there. Look at him scream. Look at him writhe. Yeah. Look at him snort um... coke. That commitment. <laughs> he was pretty psyched about the coke. He was pretty upset at her death. You didn't believe mm-hmm. him? I believed him, but um, it just wasn't the, the, the Nick Cage performance that I kind of thought I was going to get. Um but that's all right. You know, it's still you, good. You sound like me complaining about Joaquin, and you were never really here. So yeah, I feel you. I've been there. Right. We disagreed about that. We'll disagree about this. We'll both kind of be in the same place. Yeah. Um, did you like the chainsaw sequence? Oh fuck yeah, dude! That was pretty fun. That was pretty. I dope. enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, I really liked all the individual members of the the cult. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think this was this was a very satisfyingly. Um, eccentric crew that aren't so wildly you know diverse that they each have their own you know really obvious traits but they're all you know peculiar in their own kind of way and um i believe that they are all whacked out together yeah. i was with that yeah it was sure. very much like a like a metal version of D. what's D? dungeons and dragons oh gotcha right like yeah. it's very much like a scenario like Oh, they summoned the demons. You have to beat the demons in order to avenge your wife. Yeah. And the final encounter, you have to figure out where it's going to be, but it's going to end up being uh, going through this underground tunnel where you uh, end up at the top of a mountain, and then you have to go down to the church and, and finish it off. Yeah. And and that whole sequence where he's going to the church, I kept thinking about that song. Uh, Take me to church or, or whatever that is. You, you know what I'm talking about? I don't about? think I know that one. Oh man, gotta look it up. Song, yeah, I'll have to look it up. Spotify. Um, I do think this improved on some of the problems I had with Beyond the Black Rainbow, which were, which was that it just felt sealed a little too tight. Like I had trouble sort of imagining anything in this movie, sort of existing outside of exactly what we're seeing, Mm -hmm. versus a scene like when Andrew Riseborough's character first walks into the like living room with the cult, and they're all kind of lounging. She had just been with the the bug um which was a very uh, affecting moment yeah yeah oh when she's pricked mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah super good scene um 
but she walks into the room they're all sitting down he kind of has his monologue he puts on the record you can almost sort of just imagine this other movie this other plot line that's like just a hangout movie mm-hmm. with them doing their thing when they're not doing this there there's a, absolutely an expansiveness to that kind of scene so, that gives me a sense of who these characters are what, yeah. and what they're doing when we're not watching them do this how how long into this scene until you were like all right charles manson <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I, I was like okay i get it i get it yeah. i don't want to listen to this goddamn song anymore you lunatic <laughs> <laughs> it's a long scene it is it is um, uh I, I love her laughing at him oh yeah um and and that rejection affecting him so is just it's a delicious moment of cinema yeah yeah that 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 blurred effect as they're moving across the, mm-hmm. the screen great stuff what what did you think about nick cage watching her burn did that part of the performance work for you at all or no um yeah that was affecting nicholas um, cage good or bad <laughs> he pulled it off there i did not doubt his pain that's for sure and if that's it's really all i needed to achieve there and yeah. he succeeded yeah okay. um and it was a uh, grizzly tough scene yeah yeah um pretty unsparing for sure no they he did not give a fuck about your feelings no not so much (laughs) only if he could affect them in a negative way yeah exactly um what about the um the imagery of his tiger shirt and then the the tiger encounter with the lsd um maker in which the tiger is set free yeah, that was maybe one scene that lost me just a little bit, um, as did the scene where he meets the the guy who gives him his crossbow and something else. I think he gets yeah. a gun maybe from him, too. Um, I, you know, I think you could sort of read these as, you know, scenes that are, you know, sort of self-aware in which the hero is going for his equipment, you know, from some mm-hmm. supporter, or, you know, some, some ally. Um, it's just not what I wanted. I'm like, that is perfectly fine, that intent. Um, but I wanted, I, it, it was some, it was like a reference that I just didn't want there. Like I wanted it to feel a little more organic or something. It, for the, um, fellow who lives in the trailer who was storing his crossbow and gives him those fancy bolts mm-hmm. that can rend bone. I, I liked it because it evoked a sense of the world, which mm-hmm. is something you were kind of just complaining about how in Beyond the Black Rainbow it felt too hermetic. You didn't yeah. get a sense of the world. It gave me that sense of the world that mm-hmm. there are other people out there living, um, yeah and it it felt very much like that guy lived in the same forest as those guys who get murdered at the end of the beyond the black rainbow they're yeah. listening to nosferatu yeah you know like yeah. it just felt like that so i liked it um but i watched mandy first so i, I was looking mm. for more of a sense of a place mm. and the place was established for me in beyond the black rainbow which is an interesting contrast yeah um but for me the the transitory experience that i had with her ascending or or not even ascending because she ascends navigates and then descends back into the same hole and beyond the black rainbow yeah that was that encounter with the um lsd maker for me Mm. because he he comes in and it's this transitory experience where he thinks that he's kind of where he needs to be and he finds Mm. out that he's not and instead of an act of brutality he frees the beast he frees the tiger yeah and then he truly ascends on his warpath because you thought that he'd already been on it but the, now yeah. he truly is about to proceed. That to was the, proceed the, into the real path. beginning. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really appreciated that. The visual communication of that transition. 
Mm. And how, because he didn't murder that guy, it it very visually transmitted that this is um, the hero ascending. Yeah, yeah. Um, If I, if there's anything that I can't complain about whatsoever, it would be the score. I mean, I think this is Johan Johansson, the perfect score for this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It is his last one ever based on what I've looked at on IMDb. So everything else has been released that he's ever done. Huge, huge loss. Uh, That never stopped working for me from start to finish. Um, An absolute strength. I have to agree. Yeah. It, it, um, it most affected me during the opening title sequence when I saw his name. Yeah. Uh, much mm. like Mary Magdalene, when I saw his name in the opening title mm, sequence, yeah. I was kind of wrecked. But I, I will say that I think Mary Magdalene has a better soundscape than this does. Mm. If if you're a fan of Johan Johansson, that's who to go with, um, mm. or the film to go with. Go with Mary Magdalene. Go experience her, um, in, or go experience being with Rooney Mara as Mary Magdalene in the middle of the swarthy men um, who, who are fishing, who are, who are it, it's just this cacophony that he gets to make. It's, it's truly got a soundscape that evokes such an atmosphere that it's hard to fathom. I think it's my, yeah. my favorite piece of sound so far this year. Yeah. Film. Is that more Arrival-esque and it's sort of uh, um, yes, electronic kind minus, of mode? No. No, oh, okay. Because this is a period piece about Jesus, essentially. Yeah, I don't know why I was still maybe picturing uh, that the, the keyboard or something like that. I, no. I don't know why that's why I happened to imagine. Probably I, I think I saw because I've been watching some 1980s films, 1980s uh, based films, right? This electronic music style. I think I was just associating female character arrival, Johann Johansson. Mary Magdalene, female character, Johann Johansson, he might use something somewhere. That's not bad. No. Went different direction. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, one that we will have to devote but a also, podcast to at some I, point. I, I would say it feels the same. Yeah. Like it, like it does get you feeling the same sense of dread and atmosphere, and intangible sense of dread. Yeah. But yeah. also elation. It's, yeah, that's very much like Arrival. It gets you to feel like Arrival got you to feel just through different sounds. Yeah. Which is the true mark of greatness and very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll have to get to our. Uh, I, I think that maybe we need to add our ten best composers of the year to our best. our end of the year list. That's a lot of composers. Well, <laughs> we tens, tens a nice number. I feel like yeah. you don't have to include honorable mentions if you go with ten. Yeah, just just throw them all out there. Yep. Rank them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, lots of things I liked in it. Um, you know, in terms of the payoff, this is essentially a revenge story. I wish I had maybe been a bit more roused and exhilarated by um, the redemption narrative than I was, but um, still yeah, really there's, enjoyable. there's truly no redemption to be had. It's just revenge. But I very much felt like during each of those kills, which were well staged, um, that people would kind of be... Um, emoting more than they did the, the audience was, was 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 kind of cool um and and, and i was i was just kind of cool on it as well I, it wasn't it, it just wasn't quite as um invigorating as i thought it might be i, I think that with uh hmm. with panos i i this isn't a negative thing but i very much feel a victim to his film where i don't hmm. feel like i'm ever going to emote during his works hmm. like i 
something so symmetrical and and just sterile isn't really going to get me to emote it's just going to get me riveted in my seat and i'm going to be a victim uh voyeur to whatever he is depicting on on screen and i'll react afterwards but i Mm. i feel like you don't have the energy or attention to react during because you're going to miss something Mm. with his films because there is so much layered in visually yeah 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 that makes sense um these are the only two movies i think right yep we but are completed. We'll, we will get him in the uh, in some sort of a universe soon. Yeah. Hopefully, I would love to see him do an interpretation of a of a dark DC um, villain or, or something, or have mm. Sony give uh, give him the reins to another Spider Man villain, like they've just done with uh, Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed mm. with Venom. Yeah. I, I do think that he cool. has something to offer to the main studio system if they give him complete control. Yeah. And a, and a small budget. You give him $30 million and a villain, I would be mm. fascinated to see what he does for the studios. That could be cool. Shall we mm. navigate to the end? Let's do it. Welcome to Outpost 3. The house rules are simple. You may never leave the building due to the danger of radiation contamination and no unauthorized copulation. No exception. What's happening out there? It's all gone. Boring! Strangely satisfying, isn't it? Dispensing punishment. It's our world now to remold as we see fit. All right. We're talking about American Horror Story. I think it's season eight, the end. Episode Uh, one. This version is called The Apocalypse, or Apocalypse, American Horror Story Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Episode one, the end. Uh, How does this encapsulate the end michael well it is the end of the world taking place so uh that makes sense winter nuclear we we come into frame uh basically after three to four minutes there's texts going off on everyone's phone or alerts that the world is being nuked to death world war three the world is done and we get a slow, brutal transition with some really fun characters. I think Billy mm-hmm. Eichner was one of the characters that got us there. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, and we come to, after much government in-betweens and, and a few cutaways to establish some different characters, mm-hmm. a um, subterranean boys' school. Is this correct? Yeah. You heard it right. <clears throat> Okay. There's some title characters that we haven't seen yet. Most notably mm-hmm. would be Emma Roberts. Correct. Yeah. Um, or I haven't seen her. But yeah. Well, she's not in. I didn't that know if episode. she popped up in the. She, ending, she does not. Okay. Um, so most notable actors are Sarah Paulson and yeah. Kathy Bates, and mm-hmm. then Carrie Fisher's daughter um, has a role, Billy Lord, who is uh, at at this version still a gray. Mm-hmm. And she right. comes in with the, uh, the as the personal assistant to that bitchy girl. Yeah. Who we are first yeah. introduced to. Yeah. And I, I think that was smart because we're kind of waiting for her to die. Like, just fucking yeah. kill her. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. You, this is your first experience with horror, American Horror Story. Ever. Yeah. I'd seen a couple episodes of one of the earlier seasons. I want to say it was number two, perhaps, um, where they're in a hospital, I think. They're in, like, a psychiatric facility. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I was shocked just like how totally different this was. Um, that was more like an Eli Roth kind of gore fest. This is much more tonally light. Loved it. Well, um, Eli Roth does more than gore. He's pretty good at psychological. I'm stuff. thinking of uh, Hostile, Hostile yeah, yeah. specifically. Yeah, he, um, he did a film the, the Green, whatever it was. Um, he had another one about the South American tribes murdering some people. Um, I forget what it was. Green Inferno. Oh, shoot. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I, I thought you were either, listing but... the wrong mo- movie. I was like, no, Green no. Room's not him. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All I was saying is that it was a uh, um, big departure in tone that I was not expecting. Totally welcome. Thought it was great. Um, I was laughing out loud um, despite its uh, gloominess. Um, I think I, I laughed a few times or at least yeah. chuckled. I, I don't know if I got raucous with my yeah. laughter. I should, yeah, raucous is, yeah, would be too much. Um, really, really like Sarah Paulson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe my favorite line or, or favorite bit in this whole episode was, you know, towards the end when she's in that room with, with her. Kathy Bates. Yep, with Kathy Bates. And she says something like, you know, isn't it fun torturing these people? It makes me tingle. Mm great delivery oh delicious she had this really good moment where she um the the Mm -hmm. girl who has the hairdresser and and has that private jet Mm -hmm. um starts bad mouthing her as she's turning to leave and she turns around and smacks her and puts her in her Mm. place and that was maybe my favorite but uh she's very much the the same sarah paulson that we know and love right like she's not too many shades different than her oceans eight character yeah right she's got meticulously perfect makeup and she's just yeah invigorated with with this pulsating sense of personality and character and energy and control yeah she's just a great Mm -hmm. actress yeah yeah really fun presence um but i like most of this cast as well um I forget the actor's name who plays the guy with the blonde hair who was in American Animals as well. Um, it might come to me later. Mm, um, yes. But I also think he's always a welcome presence. I think he sort of lightens the tone a little bit. Um, I just, I always believe him despite his sort of, yeah. yeah, despite his sort of restraint with like big gestures. Um, um, he just has a really sort of naturalistic acting style that I that I can vibe with very easily. Yeah, I, I never <laughs> question whether or not what's happening is real with him yeah like he would have been a great um if they were to make it it a male female role in um what keeps you alive i do think mm. that he would have been a great oh, yeah. main cool. actor to i i would like to see him do that transition of love yeah. and, and care into christian bale's american psycho that could be cool he could and, pull that, and that does bring me to <laughs> i would like to see a, a female uh remake of american psycho oh yeah just i remember you mentioning there. that just yeah. want that on the table. Is there somebody you had in mind? Oh, there's many people. Wait, I didn't you? Mind. You even mentioned somebody, didn't you? Oh yeah, but I mean, it's it's been so long now that I yeah. I'd be lying if I didn't say that like seeing Glenn Close do that would, uh, would tickle me. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like it enough to stick with it? American uh, Horror Story. Yeah, but I won't. We got too Not much there. to get to. We're gonna watch Maniac this coming week. Um, yeah. And then The Good Cop just came out, and I think I'm going to have a good time watching that in my free mm. time to just unwind. Yeah. This isn't something I would watch to unwind. Um, if we need a show to to revisit in the future, I'll, I'll just leave this open and on the table. Yeah, yeah. 
one I'll definitely uh, think about if it hits a streaming service, um, or I'll maybe sign up for that free trial and try to binge well, it. I'm kind of curious. Oh, well, this particular season. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I'm, um, maybe if you watch it, then I'll watch it with you, and we can yeah. do a recap. But I, yeah. I'm not gonna go out of my way to do it before the show would need it. Yeah, my understanding is that this is um, the final episode or the final season. Yeah, and and supposedly going <clears throat> to heavily involve some crossovers with the prior yes. seasons, um, which I up until now I believe all the seasons have been independent. It's like a recurring cast, but the characters are completely distinct. You know, it's almost like well, an anthology. It's, it's a recurring cast with guest stars, right? Lady Gaga yeah. was in one. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, um, you just mentioned Zachary Quinto was in another. Was I, th- I think he might yeah. have been in a few, but yeah, yeah. So I don't know um, if the uh, if the returns might diminish as the crossover start, and I maybe kind of lose my point of reference. I, but I do I'm think that this could um, get us there. So yeah. y- you didn't see the carriage arrive. I did not. Mm-mm. Okay. <clears throat> so the end of this episode, mm-hmm. a carriage arrives, a horse-drawn carriage, okay. and the horses have these great uh, nuclear gas masks. On, Love it. You know? Um, and the, the fellow who gets out is from the, uh, Institute or whatever, mm-hmm. the, uh, collaboration, wh- whatever oh, that thing is called. The, uh, the cooperative. The cooperative. He's from the yeah. cooperative and he's there to, because all of these, um, places are falling, he's mm-hmm. there to establish who should come with him. Mm. And, um, so he, he tells them to take care of his horses mm. and he proceeds inside. And we get this cutaway to the horses being murdered and dragged into the woods. Mm. And he's saying that it's up to him whether or not any of them go to this place where they'll all be safe. Mm -hmm. Or none of them. Got it. And kind of this last moment in the episode. And he he says, or none of them. Just like my horses. Mm. So he knows that his horses are already dead. Interesting. And it's it's this fascinating thing where it's like... because the cooperative is illustrated to be this group of the greatest minds mm-hmm. perhaps at that facility whatever characters make that survive to that transition mm-hmm. that will be where these other characters are mm, got it interesting um is that a particular actor who plays that guy a very talented actor who i don't know the name of someone i don't yeah. think i've ever seen before very yeah, convincing exciting. very conniving that's cool um very, uh, so are, are you saying we don't know how he knows that his horses were killed yeah i mean for yeah. all i know he has telepathy gotcha yeah, yeah. i don't i don't mm. know what the restrictions are of this universe at all yeah still yet to be seen that sounds very promising to me i mean there aren't just because of my preference for for opting for movies over tv on any given day it's not that often that i want to stick with it i kind of want to stick with it i'm intrigued i'll stick with it if you want all right we, we can maybe do it we can get it yeah i think it's pretty fun it was good. It was good. There's some very good acting happening here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one where I um, am there for the performances, I think. Performances and narrative over over the direction. I mean, it, there was some kind of fun production design, but that's not where I was getting my, my satisfaction. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, making this puzzle box, as J.J. Abrams does, that allows you to play with the, the strengths of the puzzle box. And the strengths are the actors. They're yeah. great actors. And this is... Uh, assembled by Ryan Murphy. He's the yeah. creator and he writes some of it. Yeah. Um, and he's truly perhaps the greatest living executive 
uh, creator for television at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody <clears throat> believes that, but if you if you believe that television is a writer's medium and movies are a director's medium, um, I think this is a good example. I, I think of that the... there are um, exceptions that prove the rule to that. Mm -hmm. So I think it is true. Yeah. And I think that it's notably true when the exceptions prove the rule. Yeah. Um, Limited series is the one place where it's like, I don't know. Mm, I don't yeah, know how that kind transitions. of a weird middle ground. Yeah. 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 So yeah, interested to stick with it. If it gets too crossover heavy, that might be where it'll lose me. But yeah, um, just like Avengers we'll Infinity War did. Exactly. Exactly. That could be a similar problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, any closing thoughts on how this is other than you just really loved it and want to stick with it perhaps maybe maybe we'll have a, a recurring extra segment moving forward who knows um final thoughts i i am just 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 so shocked in uh how totally different it is and and i'm really um interested in watching it and thinking about why they decided to go that direction and i think I'm curious to see if it does devolve into the violence and gore that we got in some of those earlier seasons. Um, Wait, did you did you see when she begins testing them? Uh, I did see that. Okay. And, yes. And one of them gets shot in the head? Yes. Okay. So there are some inflections of it, and yes. I, I think it might just be a little more patient in getting there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, which I think could that be, we're about which to could get be, there. This could have a huge payoff, whereas yes. the other ones are almost a little hard to watch. The one I saw was pretty relentless um you're there for the gore or you're not there for anything um gotcha. and sort of the grotesquerie of it i mean this was broad daylight billy eichner i mean this is just a, a completely different feel um so i'm interested to see if maybe they are throwing people off only to sort of bring them back yeah, into it, what they know it is funny mm. how we say that they didn't kill many people but they killed the world it's, it's that's <laughs> true it's just uh off screen <laughs> yes yes well <laughs> kind of we didn't get to watch the bodies blow up is how Correct. we put it but yeah we, we do get to see that some of them maybe the horror the american horror story devotees are gonna be like where's the bodies, bodies. Yeah. yeah they're gonna be like why is the world dying it's yeah. supposed to be america man yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, great stuff. show sounds like we might end up having a recurring segment with it maybe uh yeah. we'll see how that that shapes out and we'll let you know yeah. Uh, should we tell them what's on tap for next week so we can get out of here? All right. On tap for next week, our two new releases will be Lizzie, starring Chloe Sevigny and Kristen Stewart, as well as Madeline's Madeline, the uh, Sundance darling. As well as Sin City from Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez, as well as our mini series for the week, which will be Netflix's Maniac with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Don't forget Justin Theroux. Oh, I didn't even know he was in it. Consensus rankings for this week's uh, topics. What keeps you alive? I gave a 1.5. You gave a 3.5. We got a consensus of 2.5. Let the corpses tan. I gave a 2. You gave a 3. 2.5. I think that's kind of a perfect rating for a movie like that. 2, 2.5. Two it so it falls right into that 2.5. Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, 3 from me, 3.5 from you, 3.25 uh, consensus. Beyond the Black Rainbow, 4.5 from me, 3.5 from you, total of 4. Mandy, 4.5 from me, 4 from you, 4.25 consensus. American Horror Story, The End, 
4.5 for me, 4 from you. I think the difference is the strong note of that ending in finale uh, for 4.25 consensus. That could get me there. And that is the consensus rankings and what's on tap for next week from Drink in the Movies. Have a good week. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.